Freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast, the show where four millennials who missed the boat 25 years ago take the dive, splash, for the first time. Join us as we experience the series with a fresh perspective week to week and see if our adolescent experiences match up with Dawson and the gang. My name is Cody. I'm Stella. I'm Mallory. And I'm James. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Um, Let's see. We got some Capeside correspondence to get into. Yes, yeah, so uh, we got our first listener email. Ooh, Very exciting. <laughs> so I believe last week or last episode we had talked or wondered about what the Canadian connection to Dawson's Creek was. And thanks to our listener who emailed us. And then on Instagram we saw a comment um, that said that Joshua Jackson, playing PC, is from Canada. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Also, ah, hometown <laughs> hero. Um, I just Googled Joshua Jackson and found out two things. One, he was in Mighty Ducks. And wasn't that... That's what we, yeah. we talked about. Oh, this. we spent maybe 35 <laughs> minutes discussing <laughs> the metatextual narrative of him I get it, self-actualizing. Though. Okay, yeah. well, never I, mind. I ignore most of what you guys are saying, too. <laughs> Okay, so there's that, but then also... Wait, wait, I just Googled... Uh, wait. Uh, I just Googled it, and... Guys, did you know Joshua Jackson's in Dawson's Creek? Okay, okay, okay. Also, he has a child named Janie Jackson, or Janie Jackson, but when I first saw it, I thought it said Janet Jackson, oh, and really? I laughed to myself. I like Janie. Janie. That's all. Yanny. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Back to you, Mal. Oh, thank you. So. <laughs> For the weather. <laughs> so uh, last episode, another reference to last episode, we talked about the random shift in Mrs. Tringle's name, and we kind of theorized, thought it might have been an accident. I think you mean well. Mrs. Triangle. <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, so Joey called her Mrs. Tingle. In 1999, there was a movie written and directed by Kevin Williamson, his directorial debut and only di- movie that he has ever directed called Teaching Mrs. Tingle. (gasps) Yes. Um, According to Wikipedia, he wrote the script before his work on Scream and Dawson's Creek. Wow. Um, Yep. And (laughs) so it's the story of a girl who's willing to do anything to come valedictorian, even if it means murdering the teacher that stands in her way. She's a fucking ghost. Guess who plays the student? Mrs. Katie Holmes. Oh, my God. So Katie Holmes plays the student and Helen Mirren plays Mrs. Tingle. I love this. Now, apparently production for the movie began in April 1998. So episode nine of Dawson's Creek, which is when Katie calls her Mrs. Tingle. um, I mean, when Joey calls her Mrs. Tingle, was released in March of 1998. Sorry, I just want to make sure I heard that right. He wrote this in 88, but then the production began in 98? I don't know when he, I don't know when he wrote it. Um, but he wrote it before his work on Scream and Dawson's Creek. Wow. Yeah. But production began in 98? Yeah, so the, the production of the movie began in 98, yeah. So we think so she just, think like, made that, a like, mistake? I wonder if she either made a mistake or he, yeah, maybe he didn't he name decided. the teacher until, uh, like, they started production. Like, there right. was a title, but it was, like, teaching Mrs. Whatever. I Bingle. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? This yeah, is amazing. It's yeah. like Freakiverse. The, uh, so, like, you know Wes Craven, who did Nightmare on Elm Street and all this stuff? Um he had a, a school bully when he was an adolescent named uh, Krug, 
And so that's why in every Wes Craven movie, like the bad person, Freddy Krueger or Krueger mm-hmm. in The Last House on the Left, like it always keeps coming up. I wonder, Kevin Williamson, did he have a shitty teacher named Tingle Tringle Triangle that he's <laughs> been incorporating in all of his work? <laughs> now, oh my God, when we rewatch Scream eventually, got to keep our ears yes. out. Yeah. If there's a Leary or a Witter <laughs> or a Tringle. <laughs> That's cool. Thank you, Mal. Yeah, that's that. really good fun. stuff. I like that. So yeah. we got to watch that for a bonus episode totally. sometime <laughs> and see. I bet there's got to be at least like one or two vampires somewhere in that movie. Yeah, for Shocked sure. that there isn't. Wow, that's amazing. Cool. Well, let's get into it then. So this week we are talking about episode 10, uh, Double Date. This episode was released on April 28th, 1998. And interestingly enough, to me, though Cody might have some news on that, that's actually, if you've been following along, that's actually over a month after episode 9 was released. Episode 9 was released March 17th. This was released April 28th. In those 49 days, we had some pretty significant um, shifts in culture that I would like to talk about. Firstly, Titanic has been on top of the box office charts for what feels like 25 years. And during this break, it is actually dethroned, believe it or not. Do you guys know what the movie was to dethrone Titanic? Mal does, so don't... I want to know what the iceberg was, baby. It starts with an L. 1998? 1998. Leprechaun. Wow. (laughs) No, it was Lost in Space. The that is not (laughs) Danger Will Robinson. I watched that movie. I watched that movie in theaters with my parents. So I actually remember going to see this. Probably wasn't in that week, but yeah, got Gary Oldman, William Hurt, Matt LeBlanc. Yes, I thought Mm -hmm. he was so cool in that movie. He had that um he had that helmet that came. It looked like snakeskin. It was like when it would go over his head. Very reminiscent of a certain video game that I can't think of right now. But um but yeah, I remember thinking that was so fucking cool. So, yeah, that's the movie that ended Titanic's reign on the box office charts. Surprisingly enough, it only lasted one week, though. And the next movie, a week later, City of Angels takes the top of the box office chart. Yeah, Meg Ryan and Nick Cage. Nick Cage is an angel who's, like, guiding people into the afterlife. And then he meets Meg Ryan in a hospital and decides, I'm going to show her my my true form. Yeah, it's a remake of... um Oh my god, Michael or some shit? No, no, <laughs> Michael, Michael is yeah, a, yeah. a bad movie. Wait, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, uh, Wim Wenders, uh, Wings of Desire. It's a, it's a very similar premise, but from the late eighties. An extremely uh, good movie, really? and like the most American thing you could possibly do is take a beautiful art house movie and turn it into a big shitty stupid movie with Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan. Uh, <laughs> but the best part about the movie is uh, Iris by Goo Goo Dolls. Wasn't that like the main Ooh. song that? Oh propelled that movie i remember I the wonder. music video you see nick cage like yeah. falling oh yeah totally i don't know what the world to see is yes i think you're I right wow so that sat on the box office charts for two weeks that's how much america loved that movie <laughs> versus 15 weeks yeah <laughs> and that's then lost in space yeah right yeah and then release week it's the big hit which it's a mark Wahlberg film and i think that about says says as much as you need to know it's um it's Mark Wahlberg, Lou Diamond Phillips, and Christina Applegate about a socially anxious hitman who is an expert in his lucrative field, goes on a job and falls in love with his kidnapping victim, turning his world upside down. What is this? 
I looked this up. I have no recollection of this whatsoever. It's apparently a movie. Um, it's got 43% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's not, like, awful, awful, but... What is it called again? The Big Hit. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg's character name is Melvin Smiley. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm Melvin Smiley. <laughs> Affable hitman Melvin Smiley. Say, say hello to your mother for me. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. Yeah. yeah, I've never heard of that movie. It was number one at the box office? Number one at the box office for the week of uh, May 2nd, 1998. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, no thank you. Little little known movies. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's our movie update. Pretty cool. Um, I wanted to really quickly, I know we have an episode to talk about, but I wanted to talk about the alternate title of this. As we've talked about season one, they have all these alternate titles, right? This, we, this week's episode... Uh, double date alternate title modern romance does has it does anybody know this movie has anybody watched uh, this movie never watched it but i looked it up it's uh i think this is a cool you know often these movies have obviously a very direct tie this one is written directed and starring um albert brooks who plays mm. a successful film editor um with far too many issues that affect the relationship between him and his remarkably patient girlfriend in the plot of this movie albert brooks who's playing a character named robert cole i want to say um is constantly breaking up with and getting back together with his girlfriend who is a banking executive um because he's basically you know just like uh, irrational and self-centered, much like Dawson and mm. Jen. So um, we're seeing Dawson, or well, I mean, obviously the the relationship here is, uh, you know, Dawson is a film, quote unquote, filmmaker, <laughs> um, and he is so tortured and so misunderstood. And his his girlfriend Jen tries to give him the understanding, but keeps coming back to him, foreshadowing potentially that she's on her way back. So. That's my update for uh, the week of release for Double Date. I'm so excited to get into it. Well, I guess I got a few other things to talk about here. Uh, written by Kevin Williamson and John Harmon Feldman. Directed by David Semmel. Um, this episode has quite a bit of fun stuff. It has parental coercion. I love that Mr. Manmeat uh, co-opts his son into spying on his mother and oh. monitoring the phone lines for him. Gaslighting your friends. Love it. It's so <laughs> cool. I'm so over you, Jen. I don't need you in my life so that you come back to me. I love it. It's cool. Um, there's new characters and locations. We've got a biology class. We've got a biology mm. teacher. We've got the carnival. We've got the marshes. And then, um, this is a little spoiler for later, but we got a new supernatural entity Ooh. that I can't wait to talk to you guys about. I, too, oh. <laughs> have a supernatural entity that does not exist yet, but I feel oh. like will exist later on. Oh, boy. Based on some contextual clues that we receive through dialogue. Oh, boy, I can't mm. wait. Also, it is officially autumn in Cape Side. Yeah. We see some fall color. I noticed that, too. Mm -hmm. I love Excited it. about that. Any initial thoughts on this episode before we, like, dive into the scene by scene? There's, I know there's a lot to talk about in this, this episode. I, I don't know. I felt myself excited about the development between... Casey and Joey. Mm -hmm. When I watched it for the first mm -hmm. time, I just like felt giddy. So that was fun. I there are lots of things I enjoyed about it. I think also maybe kind of similar to last week's episode, it felt a little slow in some ways. I feel like the maybe just the first few episodes felt like there was so much happening, you know. So the, right. the last few episodes have felt a little bit slower, which isn't necessarily bad. Um, maybe we're just kind of like ramping up for some more mm -hmm. stuff to happen. 
Um, but overall, I liked it. I, I enjoyed a, a lot of the music, mm. and there were lots of moments that made me laugh out loud genuinely that I thought were just really funny. So, yeah, I enjoyed it overall. It's funny. I actually thought this episode was paced well. Um, I, I think you were saying it was a little bit slow. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I found, like, the the kind of, like, three plot lines we had. I mean, it's, it's more like two and a half yeah. because Dawson and... Um, and Mary Beth. Anyway, I felt like that kind of like this season of The Bachelorette, um, you know, gave me every time I'd start getting bored with one plot line, we'd switch over to the other Mm -hmm. plot line and be like, oh, right, that's happening. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I liked the two, the split stories. It was kind of like the Jen and Dawson story and then the Joey and Pacey and then they come together at the end. I felt like the parents were kind of shoehorned in like that was like it had to be, (laughs) you know, we had to get an update. I had to put that in. But um, yeah. Uh, this is a stinker for me. I, uh, some, some of the stuff I like, some, I I really, really do not like, I, I I really do not understand the Mitch and Gale storyline. It's, it's, as we said, very shoehorned in, but I also think that this episode has two things going for it. One is the use of a metaphor with other characters to mirror the relationships that we already have set in stone with Dawson, uh, Joey and Pacey specifically. And, I think that it was uh, very tedious with what they're doing with, I mean, like we've hit this note over and over and over and over again about like, will Dawson choose Joey or Jen? And it feels tedious. And I think the first couple of times that I watched this, I felt like I was in hell having to watch this (laughs) over and over again because we're just treading water. Uh, Nothing's getting moved forward, especially when we get to a certain monologue near the end. It just feels like empty and nothing, and we've already seen this before. But I think there was very good use of a visual metaphor in a merry-go-round that I think was purposeful in saying, like, this is... Mm. Like, we are making this tedious. Like, this has to break eventually. So maybe... If this episode's goal was to make me uh, in agonized pain, <laughs> they succeeded. And um, but yeah, like everyone else said, I, I like the Pacey and Joey stuff to an extent. Um, and I fucking love Mary Beth. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think Mary me Beth too. rules. And I'm sad because I think this is the only episode she's in. Are you I fucking kidding so. me? I think yeah. so. I looked, no, at the, I, I looked at her credits to see if she comes back, and I. I wanted her to this. come back and redeem herself. <laughs> She's so cool. It's, yeah, it, they just used her. It was like, <laughs> for what, I, I was so excited because we we're getting introduced to a new character that isn't just right. um, there to terrorize. Mm-hmm. Like she felt uh, <laughs> like an actual person. She was very nice and smart, but also had these flaws of doing the same stuff that Dawson was doing. So I was like, oh my God, I can't yeah. wait to see mm-hmm. how this character interacts with the world. Uh, guess she doesn't. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Maybe, maybe she comes back. Okay, well, Cody, take us away. Young adult man baby Dawson proclaims his insecurities to Joey over Jen having moved on from their brief courtship. Joey rightfully tells him that he needs to progress forward and prepare for all the inevitable roads of Jen's dating future, one of which is settling for a mere friendship. While Dawson painfully explains that being friends with someone you're in love with cannot be done, Joey says it's possible, hinting at the obvious now very explicitly known truth that she adores our titular hero. This is the first time they are not watching anything. Oh! On the screen. I didn't even... Yep. Think uh, about Joey's that. reading a magazine. Can't tell what it, what it is, but um, yep, nothing nothing on the TV. Hmm. Yeah, they're just really going at it. Mm-hmm. 
But we do, we important to note, it opens on a poster of Steven Spielberg's Hook, mm-hmm. and I felt like that was very explicit in its meaning for this episode is because in that movie, Peter Pan has grown up, and he's forgotten what it means to be a child and forgot who he truly was mm. and became this... Um, uh, this person that he is not, which is yeah. what Dawson feels like through the rest of this episode. He f- he's constantly referring to himself as someone that he no longer feels is himself, him. Yeah. So I thought like maybe that's on point and they're trying to, I don't know, say something with that. Yeah. I Good like catch. that. Yeah. I didn't really notice that. I was just like, oh yeah, I remember that movie. I'm also a movie person, <laughs> so I am grasping at straws constantly for <laughs> any kind of theme. Well, I, I seem I noticed that you've had your movie card reinstated, so congratulations! <laughs> it has been a year. <laughs> also, um, at thirty-seven seconds in, I, I will screen cap this and post it on our social. Um, Joey and Dawson are on the bed, and then like ET, the, <laughs> the stuffed animal of ET and Jaws yeah. are just like in the middle. It was a very silly image. Oh. I can't wait to see all of the Steven Spielberg property toys that he gets to <laughs> fill this out. You know. Also, um, I don't know if anyone else noticed this. I thought many people were wearing red throughout this episode. I noticed Mm -hmm. it many, many times. But in this first scene, we see, um, is it Dawson? I think Dawson's wearing red. Um, Like a red red sweater. Yeah. 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 So I just want to, that's the first time we, I don't, love? Does it mean love? Who knows? (laughs) Love, passion, hate, strong feelings, big emotions. Mm -hmm. What if it's like the village? Yes, any M. Night Shyamalan movie, red is always the bad color. Blood, vampires. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> A Weezer album. <laughs> As man meet Mitch, Leary peruses the paper and enjoys his breakfast. He picks up the landline, the caller asking for Gail. After Gail talks shop and hangs up, Mitch inquires on the caller, revealing it was her adulterous fling. Bob. Mitch storms out in despair. I thought this was weird because... So Mitch says that he, like, the voice sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. And the way that he's talking to Gail, like, it sounds like he's being kind of snarky and that, like, he knows who it is. This was just my feeling. interesting. Um, That he was like, hmm, well, then who was it? And I thought thought Mm -hmm. he knew and was just, like, being kind of rude about it. And then when when he realizes it was him, he seems kind of surprised. Um, But the whole thing was just kind of confusing for me. It's like... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. He, he named someone else that apparently he knows that's a coworker of Gail that maybe calls every once right. in a while. So that, that I, I was a little confused as well. It was... the, it's really confusing because I'm not, <laughs> not going to remember this verbatim, but he's like, hey, was that Tyler? I yeah. wanted to talk to him. It's yeah. like, wouldn't you have known it was Tyler if yeah. you were right. just talking to him? I wanted to talk to him, but I But you just handed the phone off. (laughs) Couldn't you have just talked to him when you answered? And if it was Tyler, (laughs) wouldn't Tyler have been like, Mitch, what's going on, dude? (laughs) (laughs) I I capped Mr. Man Meets um, big puffy chest moment here. You guys want to hear it? Mm. Yes. Yep. This is the kind of energy I want to bring to my relationships. Well, you tell Bob that the next time he calls here, the next time he interrupts my breakfast to call my wife that the only simple question he'll need an answer for is do you have health insurance? Fuck yeah! So I'm gonna beat him up. If they had not casted Christian Bale <laughs> as Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, I feel like Mitch would have been mm-hmm. pretty good in that yeah. role too. I love his vocal delivery when he's yeah. puffy mm-hmm. like this. Yeah, his gravelly, angry voice is scary and threatening without being scary and threatening in a way that Christian Bale's could never be. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
also the um, guitar riffs yeah. throughout mm-hmm. this episode, whenever there was like a moment of tension was mm-hmm. mm, amazing. So, good. so I actually capped this. This is from a much later scene, but because you mentioned it, I'm just going to get it out of the way now because this episode did have a strange mix of needle drops that <laughs> I couldn't p- really place and that also felt very familiar, but like shadow versions of songs that I know. And then... <laughs> Music that was written presumably for this show that sounds exactly like Firefly music. Do you guys remember mm. the, that show, Firefly? Are you, yeah. Are you going to talk about the jangly guitar? Yes, oh, baby. My God. You know I am. <laughs> and so, like, I just have to play this. I, I I heard this and it made me feel like we were on Firefly, just or on, on Serenity flying around space. Probably. <sighs> yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. They use that hit all the time and that like motif Mm -hmm. throughout this episode, Um, and I just yeah, I loved it. Uh, Joss Whedon is an unforgivable pile of shit, but I did love uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. Big fan of that. Firefly, I cannot get into. Really? Yeah. Mm. It just does nothing for me. I love the cast. They're all really good. That's one of my favorite shows. That hurts to hear. So I think. We're done. Oh, okay. Oh, well, show's okay. over. See you. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to later say that jangly guitar. So, like, I, I feel like romantic comedies, you're either going to take place in the big city uh-huh. or you're going to, it's like rural, like, Sweet Home Alabama stuff. Like, there's never an in-between. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never even th- thought of, like, a suburban rom-com. Mm-hmm. Anyways, if you're in the big city, the soundtrack is always like, boom, boom. But whenever it's in rural, it's like that. It makes me sick. Oh, that's funny. Love it. Why would you hate that? That's great. <laughs> uh, before we move on, I wanted to call out Gail's outfit. She yes. has the cutest, like, t- tiny little skirt suit for Love work. Yeah. And her, she had a fun little necklace. Mm-hmm. Yep. Styling. She was looking cute. (laughs) Definitely a MILF. Uh, (laughs) There it is. I was going to say it, but I'm glad you did. I also... uh, Cancel Stella. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, irreprehensible, just like Joss Whedon. Uh, I don't... You know, it's been a really long time since I've actually physically held a newspaper, but I'm wondering, Mm. Mitch uh, turns this newspaper over at least 16 times (laughs) while they're having a discussion. (laughs) Do you remember if uh, there's only like two or three words on each page? Is that why he has to keep continuously... (laughs) He gets a special edition. For children? (laughs) Yeah. The. Okay. Dog. Bark. Ooh. There's also, in the background, there's a fish tank with one of the scuba divers from the kelp. No fish inside the tank. Just a scuba diver... Floating in an empty vi- or in a fish tank with water. Okay, that so was silly. I, that reminds me of video games from like the '90s and the early 2000s, like all those old point-and-click video games. You know, like the hidden object, all the the Magic Eye games. That, oh yeah, that used to be on CD-ROM. You know, when you would finish a level and then like go back to the level select screen, suddenly like there'd be a little crystal ball on the shelf behind the levels. It feels like that's what we're getting with Dawson's Creek now. Like every couple of episodes they're like, hey, remember when Mitch destroyed the the uh, the the fucking restaurant? Well, now we've got a little scuba diver on a shelf behind the you know, I love it. It's cool. I hope that continues. Totally. By the end of season six, we've just got this like wall that follows them full of all of these <laughs> referential things. Through the halls of Capeside High, Dawson and Jen awkwardly run into each other with little to say, Jen points out the awkwardness and asks the forbidden sad boy question. Can they still be friends? Dawson is left speechless. Okay, so before mm. we get into like this 
interaction. Um, we see everyone outside uh, playing frisbee, mm-hmm. throwing yes. around footballs. And I just want to know, did anyone have this experience? Because I feel like in every high school movie or show, we see this as like people just hanging mm-hmm. out outside, having a blast. I've never experienced this. No. Nope. A little bit. Oh, okay. The, I feel like... It, so in my high school, we had this kind of little courtyard area. So when it was nice outside, that's where we'd go to hang out on breaks and at lunch and stuff. And like the stoners, which I was like kind of like a part of that group a little bit, um, everyone would like hacky sack. Yeah. It, it was like very big for a minute. Yeah. So it was like before class, like you got a hack, you got a sack. Got a sack I don't know what yeah. these people say. <laughs> um, sack. Hacking and sacking would happen at break, at lunch, uh, before class at 7 a.m. Uh, all the time. So that was like the closest I ever got to tossing a Frisbee with my friends on, mm-hmm. a, on a hot, golden Massachusetts day. It just feels more like college for me. Like that's what college yeah, felt totally. like. Yeah, but yeah. I never had that experience yeah. in high school. Yeah, and it's like, especially if like this is just the beginning of the day i i'm i love imagining that like early in the morning before classes start everyone's just got to school early <laughs> yeah. and like they're like have yeah. so much energy energy and are just right. throwing a football yeah and- <laughs> sorry mom i gotta get to school to play frisbee <laughs> Rage. I, w- I wonder if it's coordinated or it's just like you show up and it's like steve has the frisbee so yeah. we gotta play is anyone calling steve the night right. before being like bro you want to meet up at 7 a.m or is it just like <laughs> Somebody throws a frisbee at one point in time outside of school, and then some student catches it. He's like, "Oh shit, I'm playing frisbee now." I'm gonna do this frisbee now. You can. And then suddenly, there's like 50 people like, "Wow, playing frisbee!" And it just happens spontaneously. It's like a like a tumbleweed of a frisbee that just blows through town one day. Everyone who listens to this show, write in. What were you doing before class? Were you frisbeeing? And what was the weather like when you were frisbeeing? So in the hallway, um, <laughs> I had a couple notes on the clothing. So Ooh. Dawson's wearing the same plaid corduroy jacket as the prior episode. And I like this because Stinky like boy. it's <laughs> it, it makes this happens throughout the episode with different characters. They're wearing clothing that they were in like previous episodes, which I feel like is not as common in show in like high school shows yeah. these days. There's a lot of like a, you see like a brand new outfit every episode or yeah. every scene well, Target on someone. Sponsors it, right, exactly. Like- so this feels like it's like the characters are very lived and like, you know, like they're, that's his favorite jacket maybe, yeah. or, you know, like you can, or we're kind of getting a sense of, of their styles. I thought Dawson really played it off. Well, you know? <laughs> super cash, clearly not hurt at all. Like admirable. Give it up to James Vanderbeek for this performance this episode. Cause he is an alien from yeah. start to finish. He does not know how to act. Yeah. So awkward. I mean, he knows how to act. Yeah. He's acting very well yeah. at someone who does not know how to act. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she says that she's going on a date with Cliff, it's like <laughs> he just is silent and still for a very long pause, and it that's made me laugh. Later, that's later. later. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Wait oh, later. Gosh. This is the qu- you brief, fucked up. Brief. Now that everyone that's listening to the show <laughs> to know what happens because they're sorry. not watching. Hashtag cancel Stella. Yeah. Oh my so God. I guess the main thing about this scene is she's the first to broach the subject of let's be friends. Yeah. Jen, yeah. it's, it's like the quick awkward moment, and she's you know bringing up just like Joey predicted. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Know? Right on schedule. Yep. Right on exactly. schedule. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and you'd think that since he just had this conversation with Joey, he would have been met maybe just like slightly more prepared for this than he was, but no. Can't can't process. It, yeah, it's weird how befuddled he is yeah. by it. Mm-hmm. He knew this was coming. Had to. Yeah. 
In science class, or I guess biology class, I don't know, uh, self-proclaimed dating expert Pacey gives Dawson advice that he should feign indifference so that Jen will crave his attention. After new-to-the-cast sad sack Mary Beth is introduced, the teacher singles out Pacey for bombing their midterm. Held after class, Pacey is informed that he needs extra credit to pass, and he's assigned him a project to complete with, you guessed it, his fake arch-nemesis gal pal, Joey. Jojo. I love that Mary Beth's entrance into the show is just like, hey, I heard we're, we're going to get our test back today. <laughs> it's so random. Yeah, and both Pacey and Dawson are just like, yeah. Cool, I and, guess. And Mary Beth calls Dawson Dawson. Dawson. Yeah. Hey, Dawson. Oh. Hey, Doss. Hey, Doss. Hey, Doss. I love her energy. She's so cool. Yeah. yeah. She's really cool. And Mary Beth is wearing red. Yep. Yes, she is. Mm-hmm. So. Shout out. Cody, not not to uh, call you out, but this is marine biology class. Yes, marine biology. Yeah, cancel Which, Cody. Yeah, cancel Cody. Let's get that It wrong. gets called out more specifically by Joey in a few <laughs> scenes. So I. No. <laughs> Just. Uh, I love Stella. You you did the ultimate <laughs> celebrity that just got canceled move of being like, oh, cancel me. You gotta cancel this other guy. Yeah, yeah he did something way worse. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you uh, say, Mouse? Oh, uh, it, it is confusing at to at the start. I wasn't sure if it was just bio or science, but it gets called yeah. out very specifically later by Joey. And yeah, it's <laughs> marine biology. Also, did anyone want to be a marine biologist as a kid? Does anyone know about this phenomenon of like? Yeah. The question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And like a lot of kids answer marine biologist. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, not it's for like you. a thing. No. 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 You've never heard of this? No. I think I have. You yeah. can like, there's like stuff on Reddit and, and Google about like articles about this. It's like a thing. That's so I thought weird. it was yeah. just kind of like, you know, because I grew up in Hawaii. So I just thought it was maybe a, no. like an artifact of that. No. But I've heard, I've talked to other people who are like, yeah, when I was a kid, I really yep. wanted to be a marine biologist. I think it just makes you sound smart personally. Yeah. It's like the, uh, <laughs> what I gathered from a little bit of, reading was like the it's it, the appeal of it lies in, in a combined interest of animals and then a fascination fascination with the ocean like we don't know a lot about it yeah. and also like uh things that kids are exposed to like stories or mm. movies that you know have revealed the ocean as a mystery and it's mm. a cool thing and yeah. like did anyone read the magic school bus oh, or yeah. miss frizzle takes the yeah. kids down into the ocean it's, yeah yeah i really wanted to know like what happens if you put dog in water? <laughs> <laughs> also, water. It's not just a bio oh. class. It's a water, water bio. Yeah. Ooh. Water. Oh. Right? Creeks are made of water. Uh, what happens <laughs> if you put dog in creek? Mm, <laughs> something very different. I just associate marine biology with that extremely good Seinfeld episode where George Costanza yes. lies about being a marine biologist. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so right. good. And at the end of that episode where there's a, what is it, like a breached whale? Yeah. Like, is anyone yeah. here a marine yeah. biologist? Yes. So good, yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, and also Pacey's wearing that same fleece hoodie that he wore in last episode. So yes. another, you know, it must be his favorite sweatshirt. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I like yeah. you brought up like everyone's kind of like everyone has yeah. their own wardrobe. It's like you're really getting a sense of these characters. I have a question. Yeah. This teacher is an asshole. I yeah. felt like for pointing out Pacey being the class dunce. Have you ever experienced that before? Has a teacher ever called you out like that? And he being hey. the only one. Yeah. It was. No, that's so awkward. In and band class. Embarrassing. But. Well, what happened? Yeah. What happened? Uh, we were. <laughs> talk so, about it. Let's talk about it. We can talk about this too because my band teacher he died so fuck that fuck guy. him rest yeah. in piss yeah rest <laughs> in piss fuckhead 
uh, you deserve that. Um, so what happened is we, me, I was, I played, uh, anyway, <laughs> let me start from the beginning. Uh, it was a band. Um, I was playing drums at this point in time, but I had just transitioned over from playing woodwinds to joining the drums because in high school, drums, man, they're cool. Woodwinds, not cool. Also, I wanted to be in marching band because that movie, uh, Drumline, Hell yeah. you know, Nick Cannon. Um, so I really wanted to be like that. So anyway, <laughs> I don't know how to fuck to read drum sheet music, though. That's the the like big part in band class is like you don't just play whatever you want. That's what I kind of thought. You have to do the right stuff. So I couldn't really do the right stuff because I didn't know what the right stuff was. And my band teacher got really angry at me and stopped uh, me and another person. We, neither of us knew drum the, how to read the music. We just thought we could feel it. Um, anyway, uh, long story short, he stops the middle of this uh, rehearsal and starts yelling at us about how we don't know how to read the music and how we're playing everything. Well, actually, he starts by saying we're playing everything wrong. Do you not know how to fucking read? <gasps> and then it was like, actually, yes, we don't know <laughs> wow. how to read. And it got like pretty intense. He's the band teacher is like screaming at us and he gets uh, he ends up throwing a pair of drumsticks oh at my us God. across the band, the, across the, the class. Wow. So um, rest in piss, fuckhead. Yeah, it is whiplash. That's J.K. Yeah. Simmons. <laughs> yeah, that's I crazy. To tell you, it's all based on my life. And you look exactly <laughs> like Miles Teller. So <laughs> I <know. laughs> I've heard that before. So yeah, it's happened before. Not like this though. This was in a way worse because, like, wouldn't you have known that the only person to have gotten an F was Pacey? So um, did you need to do yeah. that? Very. Could have just told him at the end of class. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I didn't really get that vibe. Like, I do get that he could have just done that after class but i thought i didn't think he was being an asshole i think he goes on to redeem himself by just offering this Mm -hmm. Um, true yeah so maybe he's not a a ding dong but he does go by dr rand yes which i you know i remember in high school we had one person who was a doctor i was gonna ask anyone you had one and it felt very pretentious you know they'd be like no i'm not mr i'm doctor and that was in high school in high school yeah wow yeah, I never had that experience having a doctor, teacher. What can I say? Also, Joey will later say this, but what makes Pacey the dating expert? Like, why would Dawson listen to anything that Pacey yeah. has to say and take it seriously? Well, he did have sex with his teacher. That's true. <laughs> so we must know something. It seems like you're the expert, Mark. <laughs> so, yeah, so Pacey and Joey get paired together. I don't know. I They both seem... It's so weird, like, seeing their dynamic, like... Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's like they're cordial, and then when they see that they're paired together, just like, oh, are you kidding me? Like yeah. they're so upset about it. It's just like, I mean, you guys are like friends. Like it doesn't seem like it would be that bad. Yeah, when, it was like right. two episodes ago where they went to the the Cliff Beach House party, yeah. where he was super yeah. friendly and invited her out and stuff. Yeah, yes. yeah. But I think what's important to remember with that episode is she gets drunk, and then she thinks Dawson is the person to save mm-hmm. her, not Pacey. So I think in her memory. She probably is, doesn't remember any of the nice stuff Pacey did that time, that day. So, yeah. But they also, I remember there was an episode where they had a nice moment where they were on the bench together yeah. when those rumors were coming around yeah. about him. Yeah, they have, re- they, they can relate. There's certain things they have, they relate on together. Mm-hmm. And it's been sprinkled throughout the last several episodes, I think. Yeah, it's just right inconvenience right, because they yeah. know that this is the episode where we're going to make them come together. So we got to yeah. really drive home yeah. that they don't yeah. get along when it's like, Actually, they do. We've seen it multiple times. But 
it was I did think that moment was kind of funny. I did give it, it got a little chuckle from me when it's revealed who his mm-hmm. lab partner is. And it made me go like, wait, is Joey a bad student too? Mm. You know, suddenly I was like a little right. bit it got me intrigued. Which mm-hmm. I didn't expect to see that coming. Yeah, that was a really good hook because I just yep. assumed that she was a good student. Yeah. So, and then we—I mean, that's yeah. getting later. So. Yeah. No spoiler, Stella. <laughs> yeah. Don't cancel. We'll me. get there. Don't cancel. Me. <laughs> You're still canceled. We might uncancel you later. Yeah. <laughs> later in the halls, Dawson, not at all like Data from Star Trek: The Next Generation, approaches Jen and confirms that he wants to be friends and inquires. Let us have a friendly conversation. <laughs> this leads to Jen revealing she has a date that weekend with Cliff to the carnival. Okay, and then <laughs> this is, um, yeah, where Dawson has an awkward interaction, but mm-hmm. one of my favorite needle drops of mm. the episode. Maybe Ooh. come back and hurt me? She, Louis says, oh, yes. this song. Bend and break. Don't sue us. <laughs> she bends. Stella, did you ever have one of those stretchy long black skirts that Jen is wearing in this scene? Did, did you see notice what she was I wearing? I don't remember. Oh, okay. I remember them being so popular. It's a mm. very specific. It was like a stretchy material, long and just black. Like, mm. I don't think so. Thing. Okay, Cody. What about you? <laughs> Two. <laughs> yeah, but here, so like Dawson proposes the double date. And, yes. and she agrees. And I, the the thing that boggles my mind is how quick he was to just use this as a grand plan without any foresight, like yeah. nothing, nothing, and so bonkers. It really, to me, shows that Dawson is not a nice guy. <laughs> it was yeah. like yeah. his first instinct is to be like lie, deceive, right. twist and this it, into my favor. It was I mean, almost- yes, he's. Sorry. Yes, he's being kind of like egged on by Pacey in a sense back in marine biology class, but like he even Pacey's like, well, this is an advanced maneuver when he later finds out. So Dawson's really uh, improvising quite a bit mm-hmm. here. Whoops. It was almost creepy the way, like yeah. the way that his he, he was had this kind of fake that he was trying to keep his cool. He had this like fake, almost creepy smile this entire time that yeah. Jen's talking to him about, you know. I, I, it's just like yeah we i think we've talked about it before on the show but uh, any any time you read anything about like ted bundy or serial killers right. that got away with it for far too long uh and then they get interviewed like i guess in like Mindhunter or whatever that Netflix right. show was that was a super good show i hope it comes back but they yeah. they always talk about how these people are sociopaths and they like do not com- connect to people on an emotional level and they have to learn how to act like people right. and that's this performance dawson being like Hey, so let's have a friendly conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should do this. Oh, you have a date? Ha ha ha. Normal. I go <laughs> yeah. with you too. Sounds good. Like he will murder her. That's yeah. what this is flagging later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it, it, this I I I kept this. I want to play it because this is this is Dawson after he hears that that Jen has a date. Whatever it is, I think I can take it. Okay. Okay, well then in the name of friendship, however misguided I I have a, a date with Cliff this weekend. Uh, we're going to the carnival on Saturday. Processing. Is that what you didn't want to tell me? Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, I, I'm relieved. <laughs> I wish this, I mean, this is a video podcast. You just have to look at the video of Dawson's Creek while you're listening to us. <laughs> but the moment when Dawson is processing that Jen is going on a date with Cliff is 
to Cody's point, the moment that Dawson becomes a serial killer because he's just like, uh, calculating, <laughs> calculating. If I go to the double date, maybe I can kill Cliff and then Jen will be mine. Is he the uh, killer in the next episode? <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> I think this is what sets Dawson on a path to take up the mantle after Gramps' inevitable death to become the <laughs> ultimate vampire hunter. Mm. Like my heart's been broken. <laughs> I now need to go stake every vampire's heart. She uh, bends. <laughs> also, I feel like throughout this whole episode, Jen just looks uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a yep. very weird Jen episode. Yes. I cannot read any, <laughs> anything. Uh-uh. If, like, if you told me right now that Michelle Williams improvised this entire performance, <laughs> I would believe you because it does not make any sense. No. Well, I think she was, maybe she was given the direction to be confused. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and in that way, this episode feels relatable because, I mean. Yeah. You're especially in high school, your emotions are so fucking confusing. You don't really understand what's happening. And if you've got somebody manipulating you like Dawson is able to, I can see how she would be so wishy-washy with her emotions mm-hmm. in this episode. Ooh, yep. uh, a question for the crowd, but mainly Mal and Stella here. Have you, has has anyone ever had a crush on you that was as weird as Dawson? Yeah, I think I, yeah. it's like a boy-specific problem. So it's yeah. Like, I definitely had some creepy, weird mm-hmm. things. I don't know like if exactly like Dawson, but... Yeah, I don't. Can't think Someone of very like persistent and and it was uncomfortable at times. I had well, no, I, I had another question for the group. Has anyone ever been on a double date for a first date? Ooh, because yes. this is basically what he's proposing to do. Yes, yes, yes. Right? I have. It's their first date, and okay, let's hear it. <laughs> it was a blind date. Um, Okay, this was really sad, actually. I think this was freshman year prom. My high school was really small, so we could go to prom every year. Mm -hmm. And I had a really big crush on this guy. Wondering if I should say his name or not. No. Okay. (laughs) I mean, he probably knows who he is because if I tell the story. But anyways, so he he had, like, asked me if I had plans, and so I thought he was going to ask me. But he really, he was... He was going with someone else, and then he set me up with his friend, and it was a blind date. So the four of us, like, went out to dinner and then went to prom, and, like, me and this guy did not click at all. (laughs) And it was just, like, so awkward, and we did not interact at the prom at all. And it was really awful. I hated it. Cool as hell. Well, I guess on that note, we're going to go have a double date. Um, (laughs) With all new people. With all new people. (laughs) So it's going to be a quadruple blind date first date so it's gonna be really cool and we well, know, but we don't know who we're bringing on the date yeah but it's gonna happen we'll, just like dawson <laughs> we'll let you know on the other side until bye <laughs> hey everybody it's james here just thanking you for listening we don't have any sponsors we don't have any paid promotions or anything like that so we're thanking you but I'm going to actually ask one more thing of you while I'm at it. Could you go ahead and subscribe to this show? Do it right now while you're listening. It's not going to take you any time at all. And that way you'll get every episode in the future. And while you're at it, go ahead and give us a review as well. Um, It'll really help us grow. The algorithm will love it. People will see it and maybe they'll think, hey, I I think this sounds like something I'm going to like. And that's really what we need as a new show. So help us grow. Give us a rating. Subscribe and keep on listening. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the episode. And we're back. Wow, that was a crazy quadruple person date. I don't think we should ever see those people ever again. No. Well, in the cafeteria, Dawson spills the beans on the carnival double date situation to Pacey, who flips through his mental dating expertise guidebook, proclaiming it's an advanced maneuver, but could work at getting Jen back. 
as they both wonder who Dawson can take, the light bulb above Pacey's head illuminates, leading Dawson to ask previously introduced Sad Vibes girl Mary Beth to the carnival. She rightfully says it's far too early for Dawson to be dating, but he assures her that he's ready. Boy, does he. <laughs> and it's a very convincing performance, too. Listen to this. I'm ready. Completely ready. Could not be more ready. <laughs> Convince me. Yeah. I just wonder i mean we'll get to it later but with mary beth's reveal as to her actual intentions with mm-hmm. the carnival was she just looking for this kind of in like well, did she well, know she didn't know yet she that know. cliff was gonna be oh, there right, right? Yeah. but i do so approaching mary beth right did anyone look at what she was reading no for dawson okay book. so well I, I knew what i, I just didn't okay. know what it was so it reveals a little bit about her i think um she's reading a book called fear of flying by an author erica jong and or young, I don't know. Um, might be pronouncing it wrong, but uh, so <laughs> yeah. So uh, she was an author. She kind of exploded into popularity in the seventies. Um, this book was her chronicle of the soul-searching, sensuality-seeking adventures of an intellectual young female poet. The poet was an author of erotic poetry in this book, um, and it, this book became controversial for its portrayal of female sexuality and figured in the development of second-wave feminism in the seventies and eighties. So. Very interesting. Because I, I feel like this is probably not a book that was part of a class in high school. It no, seems this is like very she's re- Like you yeah. can tell she's like enjoying it with her sandwich. You know, she's like holding her sandwich and reading this book. She's an intellectual. Yeah. 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 So I thought it's that cool. was cool. More importantly, did anyone notice the posters? <laughs> yes, the that's what he's saying. There are like four. Yeah, there's a I, bunch of them. I saw Antonio I Banderas. Yeah. yeah. I saw Shaq. I saw Christy Yamaguchi. Yeah. Was that Alan Thicke from Growing Pains? I saw an older <laughs> oh, white man. I wonder. Didn't notice can, that one. Colonel okay. Sanders? We'll to, we'll it, might, it, was either, it was either Alan Thicke or Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that I really wanted to call out was those read posters. We should screenshot those. Yeah, they, we'll screenshot those. I, yeah, so cool. I, I really saw that Shaq one. I remember seeing <laughs> that one as a kid, you yeah. know. I, uh, again, I love Mary Beth and... There, there's just some, there's like a darkness to that character. And I, I want to know, fuck, I just can't believe that she's only in this episode. I know, yeah. I know. I'm so pissed. Because she got, she just got like the, I there's feel an, like they used her in this episode. <laughs> there's an instantaneous questioning of Dawson that you would not see with mm-hmm. another character of his intentions. Everyone mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. goes along with whatever Dawson wants to do. But she was just immediately like, well, you're not over Jen, so that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah she just called it right out. Like, she's friendly, yeah. but she's like, you're not ready. Yeah, she's challenging him yeah. in a way that the only other person who has is Jen, but she's doing it so much more successfully, I feel like. Because Dawson Beth, is just... Mean, yeah, Mary yeah, Beth Oh, is. right, yeah. Because Dawson is just kind of, whenever Jen speaks, he's like, yeah, that's pretty. But Mary Beth, he's like, he needs something from her. So he has to kind of like bend to her whim a little bit and try to mm-hmm. actually win her over. Yeah. If this, if this truly is the, the last episode of Mary Beth, I really hope they do pull in a new character that will be like fill these kind of shoes because yeah. the mm-hmm. show desperately needs someone to see through all this facade bullshit. Barry Meth. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's got to be a white guy, so it's got to be Barry, Barry Meth. Hey, <laughs> Barry. She had a cute plaid maroon jumper also. That's, yeah, she, she was looking cute. cute. Yeah, she was yeah. looking cute. I like this outfit a lot better than the one she's wearing at the carnival oh, I know. Later, that, we can can't talk wait about to talk about that. that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I thought it was cool. <laughs> 
in the marine biology classroom, uh, Joey continues to do the extra credit project entirely by herself while Pacey mocks both her and the project. It isn't until Joey mentions the sexual nature of the snails that Paisley finally unravels his tongue, his eyes eject out of his skull, and he proclaims a figurative awooga, finally making him engaged. When summer school is brought up, the weight of this project is finally felt for our hero sex-obsessed dunce. <sighs> we have come so far with Pacey that this seems like one step forward, a hundred yeah, steps back. totally. Yeah. I really thought we I were thought, over this stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, I didn't really, I mean, definitely Pacey makes some like, questionable moves in this episode, but overall, like, I don't know, just kind of felt like teenage boy stuff to me. Yeah, but that's annoying. Like why? I, I just feel like they, he already took the, a step forward with yeah. how he was being with Joey and making sure she was safe at the party and all that. Yeah. And then like, now he's like, retra- like going back to this quote, teenage boy you know, yeah, it's yeah. annoying. And I mean, we know that because of previous instances of him opening up and being vulnerable, we know that this is his facade. This is right. his clownish mm-hmm. exterior that he has to have because he is a, a sad, vulnerable boy, but uh, doing it in a different way. And also yeah. the, the clownish exterior isn't just, you know, the horny boy stuff um, as the facade because later on we see him, he is actually a very horny boy. And it's disgusting. Oh, yeah. So I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah, it, it felt like he was really taking it to the extreme in this episode and this scene specifically. I mean, we don't get much of an explanation as to why he is such an underachiever, which mm-hmm. I would like. I would. I mean, maybe we're setting that up. Maybe in the next episode, maybe in the next three episodes, we'll finally get some payoff here. But we get this kind of set up from back in the initial prep proposition of this project, like you're an underachiever, you're a smart guy, but why aren't you trying harder? Um, and then every time we see him actually interacting with somebody, he's just like, doopy doop, boner, boner joke. It's, I mean, why? I don't, yeah. I, I found it tired from the very beginning. It's, it, mm-hmm. he is either the most richly nuanced character of this show where everything is subtext and they're we have to like take a lot with every grain yeah. that mm-hmm. they give us or they i mean like we've yeah. said a million times they don't know what to do with this character and he's just kind of a an amalgam of a bunch of ideas mm-hmm. rather than something interesting but i do i mean we do you know hearing those things from the teacher being like well you're obviously smart like you're fucking, yeah. you know you're fucking up it almost seems purposeful you just don't care mm-hmm. you're depressed blah blah yeah. blah flesh it out a bit like i like right. that we're getting these little things but give me something other than Ooga! yeah mm. it would have been nice to have him open up a little bit more as a result of this become vulnerable instead of i mean he does it, grow it, as a character but he doesn't mm-hmm. open up at it, all. yeah it felt like it was he was almost going to do that later we'll so talk close. about it later at joey's house but then it's back to the as yeah. Cody says, oh, yeah, I, I, do, I really do like when when they yeah. do have that sequence of mm-hmm. Joey's house later on. I'm canceled for talking about it, but uh, that that little <laughs> bit of right. what he does say speaks volumes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like this plus the cop family plus all this mm-hmm. other stuff. I'm like, I get Pacey. Yeah, uh, I just wish his exterior wasn't um, the cartoon horny. Yeah, dog. yeah, that's what I was gonna kind of say, and we can talk about it later. It's just like overall, I feel like we see more like any genuine goodness and like character in the way that he's a friend at points right? versus mm-hmm. Dawson, who's being so manipulative yeah. and 
just a straight up asshole in this episode. Yep. So, but we can get more into that later. I agree. He a we dick. Do. He a dick. <laughs> he a dick. As Dawson works on a model of a bunch of teeth in his bedroom, Mitch Daddy slides through the door to coolly interrogate his son over that day's missed calls. When Dawson begins to swell with frustration, Mr. Manmeat makes it perfectly clear who he's talking about, the dreaded Bob. When Dawson confirms no Bob calls, Mitch plays it off like it's no big deal whatsoever and snakes back to the hallway. I hated this. Yeah, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. This scene is a deleted scene. Yeah, like, we why? do not need why? this. Yeah. Every Mitch and Gail scene this episode yes. is a deleted scene. <laughs> so I, I did get the dialogue between Mr. Manmeat and Manmeat Jr. Let's take a listen. Forgive me, Dawson. Uh, maybe I'm not being clear. I didn't ask if anyone had called for me personally. I asked if anyone had called that I should know about. Ugh. So icky. Do not like that. Like, uh, we've we've had this conversation before. You know, I'm a child of divorce. I'm so thankful that neither one of my parents dragged me into the middle mm. of whatever was going on. And this is a moment. This show has many of these moments where I am sitting there like, is this cute or is this toxic? Because the show has a way yeah. of like kind of glamorizing this interaction while also being like it's uh, it's ugly you know it's not good Mm -hmm. but like with the um underage you know uh, the mary Kay letourneau analog stuff it's like why are why are we including this why is this the choice is it is it i wonder if part of it is is to explain dawson not feeling himself like at home his parents aren't really paying attention to him you know i mean his dad could have been like, hey, Dawson, what are you working on? What's that? Right. Like, you know, maybe part of him being an asshole is him seeing his dad being an asshole. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it does speak volumes to the, yeah. I mean, we don't have to get that deep with it, but right. generational trauma of, you know, yeah. his parents are so self-involved, which is why he's so self-involved. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really know, like, another way to actually interact with other people because his parents clearly don't have an emotional connection with him. It's very basic like kind of like what was like a couple episodes ago where mitch and gail were arguing in the kitchen once again and as soon as dawson popped his little head out of the door mitch like didn't even know how to make small talk with him he's like school huh you do that (laughs) yeah hey there tyke not that i think that this show's that smart like i don't think the show's trying to say anything with it Mm -hmm. but it definitely makes dawson as a character make more sense yeah agreed the next day Joey and Pacey arrive in the marine biology classroom to discover that all of their snails are dead. (laughs) Joey wants to outright quit until Pacey reveals that he took the liberty of adding a snail from one tank to another, all for the purpose of creating a snail orgy. Joey reveals that the snail he added was a carnivore, and instead of fucking, they fell way to the other appetites of the flesh. Pacey says he'll do whatever it needs to be done to fix the situation. Now, I know that this is, like, bad, bad boy behavior, as I like to say. Um, Pacey's pretty much whole um, shtick here, but I did laugh at this, at, at this interaction between, between uh, Pacey and Joey. I want us to listen. Pulmonata snails are single sex. They don't need another organism to reproduce. Right, and I would have remembered that if I actually listened when you talked to me. But 
<laughs> I loved his. He had some really good, yeah. like, funny comebacks this mm-hmm. episode. As much Plus, of a shithead and, a, and you know, as like a, he's uh, reverting yeah. to uh, the knuckle dragging fuck machine. Um, <laughs> he does have some good dialogue. He's a funny guy. And just like the two of yeah. them, they're they're yeah. fun yeah. to watch. Yeah. Like their bickering is really fun. They've got great yeah. chemistry. I think this is the first time we've seen this extensive like of scenes with them together. Like yeah. this is like the most we've seen of Joey and Pacey yeah. this episode together by themselves. And yeah, as you said, like it's so it's entertaining. Yeah. I, I think that the the relationship that we're seeing develop between them is a product of the writer's room realizing like, oh, these are two clearly we're having the most fun writing these characters. Yeah. We have mm-hmm. to put them together because they could just sound like a noir movie forever. And it's yeah. fun. Um two things that are extremely important. Um to me for this episode. Okay, so we have one tank with two snails and Pacey goes and adds another snail to the mix and that ends up, it spells disaster. Do these two snails represent Joey and Dawson and he is the carnivore snail? Yes. And and by adding him to the mix, it fucked everything up. Now, originally I would have thought that this would have been something like, oh, we added Jen to the mix and this is like a Joey-Jen thing. Mm -hmm. But this episode, like, we're so much more in the Joey, like the trifecta there of the Joey, Pacey, Dawson, stuff. Right. So that I, I thought that was a very interesting allegory. Interesting. Love yeah. that. Love that. Um, yeah. And but uh, more importantly, um, let's get into the the dark depths of the the ghosty, spooky monster, mm. cryptic, uh, cryptoid uh, kind of boy, stuff. Okay. Stuff. Yeah. Um, Lay it on us. So we all, what, what do we know about Pacey? That boy loves sex. Yes. He would have sex with anything. And what does he refer to as a snail? He says it's a very pretty snail. Do we think that Uh Pacey is going to make love to a snail to create a new breed (laughs) of human snail creature, a cryptid for this fake Massachusetts town? It could be like their Mothman. Yeah. Or their creature of the Black Lagoon. Yes. Creature of the creek. It is a creature of the creek. <laughs> Does anyone think he was else think he was maybe high when he decided to do this <laughs> weird like dropping another snail into the yeah, snail? So, like don't you think in the classroom there's probably a sign that says like carnivorous? Yeah. Right? And he <laughs> It's like what was he thinking? Yeah, this is this kind like, of goes what? along with uh <laughs> like what you're saying, James. It's like like the teacher says, like, you're a bright kid, Pacey. Yeah. Uh you, you could do better, but then this the, happens. Yeah, he just <laughs> feeds one yeah. snail to a bunch of other yeah. snails, or snails to snail. Yeah. But yeah, it's like there's no rhyme or reason. Like he's not trying to do anything interesting with it. He's just no. fucking up on for no reason. This isn't the behavior of an underachiever who like pays attention and just doesn't care about tests or homework. This is the behavior of somebody who doesn't give a fuck at all mm-hmm. and doesn't know anything. That's not an underachiever. That's just somebody who doesn't care. There's a difference there. This is the Joker at the end of The Dark Knight when he just lights all the money on fire. (laughs) It's not about the money. I love the opening shot of this, by the way, back to the beginning shot of this scene, the opening shot with the bone. It was, I think it was a shark mouth framing Joey and Pacey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Jaws. Very Jaws. Yeah. What would a snail human hybrid, what would that, what would that be called? A snooman? (laughs) A hail? Um, Newman? Newman. 
Snailman. <laughs> Snailman. Ooh, like a mailman. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's so easy for us. We don't even have to do any Photoshop, baby. We can use the snail uh, Instagram filter Ooh. on Pacey, oh. and we'll know exactly what that child will look like. Oh. Mm-hmm. We could, ooh, even better, we could do it on baby Alexander. <laughs> that way it's got that witter. Oh, yeah. Sorry, no, not witter. Potter DNA, because maybe Pacey, Joey, Joey Snail, Joey <laughs> Snail. Joey Snail is my favorite gangster <laughs> name. Snail. Hey, Joey Snail over here. <laughs> That's my SoundCloud mumble rap. He's so slow. <laughs> name. <laughs> Later that day, Joey gives Dawson some serious flack for the Mary Beth carnival situation, and Dawson admits that it's a pretty fucked up thing to do, but he's still going to go through with it. Joey recognizes that this isn't a typical Dawson move and that he shouldn't make a habit of being a jerk since he's one of the quote-unquote good ones dawson <laughs> admits that he kind of wishes he would be taking her to the carnival instead and she wishes that he would have done that just when we think the sparks are about to fly pacey rolls up in a pickup honking like a big dumb goose for joey to join him for finding new snails for their project <laughs> i think we need to go find snails joey, <laughs> joey. bessie's truck that was Bessie's truck. Oh. Is, I was wondering yep, that. it was the why same the truck. Does yeah, why does yeah. Pacey have it? Uh, right, right. But then he later <laughs> refers to it as the Witter truck. Yeah. That was the truck they used. Yeah. Interesting. That's that funny. reusing yeah. props. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or everyone just has the same car. <laughs> yeah. There's only one car in Cape Side. <laughs> same um, bumper stickers. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, wondering if you capped this, James. This was one of the... Uh, lines of dialogue that made me laugh really hard was when Joey said, wait a second, you're taking romantic advice from a guy yeah. who's <laughs> who spent his evening trying to get three snails to sleep with each other. <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah, I didn't get good. that. I wish I did, because that is pretty fucking funny. Made me laugh really hard. I got this instead. Come on, Joey, let's get a move on. I see my deviant lab partner has arrived. Oh, I like <laughs> that. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. When um, Joey tells Dawson that Pacey's on his way to come pick her up, I detected a bit of jealousy and longing in Dawson's uh, reaction to that. Mm. Like he, like you're gonna go hang out with Pacey. Mm. Why? Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the uh, the Mister Man meat rubbing off on him because that's that's what I was Mm -hmm. him not feeling like himself. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Is that like jealousy element coming into play? Definitely. Yeah, it's the soft B Bob coming into their relationship. Right? Yeah. The third snail. <laughs> I mean, what a, you know, if you were a carnivore snail, you would roll up honking a horn. Honk, get in the car. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just sucks. Like, it's such a jerky move that Dawson is just like, yeah. he's so conscious of it, mm-hmm. being like, I'm being an asshole, but I'm going to do it anyways. I know. And yeah. So this is, I, I felt like, this is a moment, this scene where Dawson is like, well, to be honest, I wish I was bringing you in- instead. I liked this. It felt like good writing to me because I could see what he meant. Like, oh man, I wish I was bringing a friend instead. You know, instead of like putting some random person through this, this is like so shitty. I would much rather be bringing you, but I can't be bringing you because Jen would see right through it. Right. But what, Joey hears is like I would much rather you be be on a date with you mm-hmm. and that's just that this show does this so well this like you know Dawson saying the right things but he's saying all of the wrong things at the same time yeah 
I just wish I knew the version of Joey that wasn't in love with Dawson, yeah. what her reaction would have been to the situation. Because she was very quick to be like, well, you're one of the good ones, so this right, isn't like a normal move that you would do. Mm-hmm. Like, if I feel like a real friend who didn't have like a romantic connection would just be like, dude, you're being a fucking asshole and you should not do this. This is bad. Yeah, bad yep. news. Yes. Mary Beth meets up with an already forlorn looking Dawson at the carnival opening with a compliment that he pathetically mirrors. When Jen and Cliff show up, Mary Beth immediately knows what's going on and takes Dawson aside. When she says that he's still hung up on Jen, he course corrects to fill her in on what he calls the absolute truth, only for the audience to be cut off as he explains his intentions Mm. to Mary Beth. Love that. I love an expository cut. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of my favorite things when it's like, we don't need to hear the story. We just need to see. And and you know what? This is what it's about. And then cut to, I love that kind of shit. It's one of my favorite things about like Coen Brothers movies is like they always cut out that stuff, you yeah. know, and you just mm-hmm. get the, the setup and the payoff. So yeah. I like that moment. I thought it was interesting, but I didn't like this for her. Like I didn't oh, like no. it in this situation. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was so... <sighs> breaks my heart i love mary beth her just being mm-hmm. like it's okay you don't have to compliment me too about the same thing oh right like, yeah. and her outfit yeah. let's, let's talk about that for a second she looks like a <laughs> she looks like either a lawyer or my grandmother and totally like that she, weird yeah. outfit the color combo purple button up uh with that collar that big mm-hmm. barrymore collar maroon jacket with large shoulder pads <laughs> and then her hair clipped up on both sides it was it was interesting. I'm sorry, my ears are burning red ever since I heard Grandma Lawyer. That should be a TV show. Ooh. <laughs> All right. I like it. Order, order. Oh, wait, that's what a judge would say. I don't know anything about the law. Objection. <laughs> um, Mary Beth rules. Here's all of the evidence you would ever need. It's not what you think. Before you tell me what I think, let me tell you. I think it's pretty obvious that you're still hung up on her. Love that. Fuck yeah, Yeah, Mary yeah Beth. she rules. We need that voice in every episode yes. of the show. Mm-hmm. And that guitar riff in the background. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's either acoustic noodling or uh, the worst guitar riff I've ever heard. <laughs> well, on that note, um, I'm going to go show everybody some pictures of that time when I was a priest <laughs> during our next commercial break. Hail so. Mary full of grace. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. Bye. <laughs> Hey freaks, Stella here, jumping in on the commercial break to remind you to find us online. We're on social media at Freaks and Creeks Pod, where we post all sorts of great content. Come join the conversation. We'd love to have you. We also have a website, freaksandcreeks.com. It has a super sleek web player so you can listen from anywhere or share episodes directly with your friends or family. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. We're back on the titular creek. Pacey rows Joey on a tiny little boat as they adventure to the sea to find some horny snails. They playfully give each other some shit for wasting their weekend. But when Pacey asks Joey about why she needs extra credit, she shuts down the convo. I kind of wonder why. Like she's embarrassed about her living situation. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. She doesn't want to be, I don't know, she doesn't want to be seen as, like, the perfect student because she has good grades and maybe she just doesn't want that. I think it's... It's combo. Yeah. Of of that, yeah. I think you're on the right track. For me, it's, she alludes to it later, but it's like, 
nobody wants to be the person who volunteers for extra credit assignments that everybody else like yeah. is hating. And that's what she's doing. She's volunteering for extra credit to to get into college. So I think she's embarrassed of that, that like mm-hmm. she doesn't actually have a reason for doing this. The reason that she's doing this is because she doesn't have a life and she doesn't have a social life and the, all those yeah. things that she feels self-conscious of. Yeah. It is good that they're pitting, they're, you know, I mean, there's a million reasons why the Joey Pacey thing makes sense, but we have two characters that are extremely I- insecure and very, very terrified of being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So putting them in this situation is very smart. Good job on the writers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pacey is continually willing to break down the, the walls, but at the same time, he's not because what he's offering is something he doesn't care about, his test score. He doesn't care that he's failing school, clearly. But, so it's he's a- like not really being vulnerable. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems like Joey almost cares more about hit for his grade yeah. than he does. There are a few moments where she's like, I know it's for me, but it's also for you. Like, you can tell that's right. kind of what she's thinking. Why don't you care more? Why don't you care? Yeah. Yep. Just thinking out loud here, uh, Pacey does not find her attractive until she changes in front of him. Problematic. But <laughs> yeah. before that, I feel like it would, it would make more sense for his character to just, like, not show up or not give a shit about this because they've been bickering and all this stuff. So like, why did he even come to pick up Joey in the first place? You'd think that you would have slept in, not cared. Right. I don't, it doesn't, that doesn't really have a through line for me. Yeah. Other hmm. than him being a, you know, quote unquote good friend. But in this episode, they've kind of forgotten about that. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, another thing I love that it really feels like they shot at, like on an actual boat for mm-hmm. these sequences. Yeah. The angles and the angles are so <laughs> funny. So weird. These like low Kubrick angles. <laughs> we see so we weird. get to see Katie Holmes like under her nose. Just a, it doesn't look like her. It's funny. Yeah, it looked like uh, Jack Nicholson in The Shining when he's banging on the door. <laughs> so Mary Beth and Dawson stroll the carnival grounds, and she repeats to Dawson what he had shared with her previously, a lie that they're actually on a double date to support Jen as she starts dating again. Mary Beth thinks this is sweet of Dawson, and when she asks what they should do next, he eyeballs Jen and Cliff, proclaiming that he has an idea. I hated this because why I hated that they use Mary Beth to recap the lie that Dawson told her. Why not have Dawson be the asshole here and us hear him lie to her? Like it makes her look gullible instead of making him look like an asshole. It it sucks. And it's, it's, it's so annoying because earlier we were praising the show for not having just annoying exposition, but now they double down on the exposition and have it be Mary Beth that has to tell the audience what's going on, which blows. I think we're supposed to just see that Dawson has a way with words and he's so charming that he can get people to, to believe him just by, you know, just by talking, but it doesn't have that effect. It makes Mary Beth look stupid. Like you're saying, Mal, and it's really shitty because she's not stupid. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know. We she already just, know that she, she was, yeah. He plays her like a fiddle and right. she just like, is like, Wow, so you're saying you're actually a good guy after all. <laughs> Which doesn't Wowie. track for her. Like, I she know. already was not sure, you know, so it's, yeah. Oh. Doesn't really make sense other than if, like, she's just totally going along with this yeah. because she's like, yeah. I don't really give a fuck about what's going on because I want to be with Cliff. Right. right. So yeah. that's the only thing yeah. that I can make sense of. Yeah, this. she's just like, whatever I got to say to get you to shut the fuck up so we can go back over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> You looked like you had something to say, Stella. Uh, never mind. Sorry. Sick. Sure. Yeah. Um, Ready to get canceled again, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I love that immediately upon finishing, like convincing her 
that he's got the right intentions. He's like, I got to go over. We got to go over here. Yeah, like, right like wouldn't you think if he is this Machiavellian master manipulator, <laughs> he would at least think like, okay, now let's go do one thing by ourselves. Yeah. Let's go into the fucking like haunted house mirror maze thing where at least we can get separated. And, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Like, but instead he's immediately like, cool. Now I need to undermine everything I just did. And when this guy gets tunnel vision, it is Impressive. bonkers. Yeah. This feels like he's being so dumb about all like he's, it's just like so obvious and yeah. I don't know. I just, all of it sucks. Maybe he, maybe we're like, we're not seeing it for some reason. We are seeing hints of it, but maybe this is just like he, things are this is supposed to be representative of just how bad things are at home. Like you guys have kind of been alluding to like, he's Mr. Man meets bad behavior is rubbing off on Dawson. So he's acting out. We're not really seeing that in from in the show, but like, that's mm-hmm. the only thing I can think of. Cause otherwise he's just being an asshole. For no real reason? I don't know. Unless it's yeah. like very purposefully self-destructive. Like he right. wants to be called out on it so he can just get the show on the road. He only has one goal in mind and that's really to corner Jen. So right. maybe in his mind it's like the the faster this blows up, the sooner I can get to her. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, now that, I mean, thinking about it, there's so many times where this does happen. Like things explode and then it, let me try to think here. Dawson knows that he has the gift of gab, or at least in this universe, people fall for it. So he's really just hungry for any opportunity where he knows that he can talk himself out of a situation because he know, you know, up until that point, he's just nervous. But he knows that if he talks to someone, he can get his way usually. So it makes sense that he would just like want to blow this up as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Smooth talking Dawson. That was the original title. Smooth talk Dawson. <laughs> hey, Dawson. In the Capeside wetlands, Joey says that they should head back as the water is rising, but realizes the boat is now floating away toward the ocean. Pacey has pulled the ultimate ding-dong move of not tying the boat up. <laughs> did you get this line? Yeah, you yes. know I did. Pacey. What? You tell me that you tied our boat up and the one that's floating downstream isn't ours. I tied our boat up and the one that's floating downstream isn't ours? This was also just a moment so where I was good. like, yeah, Pacey is just cute and charming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just a little stinker. <laughs> He's just yeah. silly. He's just a little stinker. <laughs> is he the dumbest man alive? <laughs> I cannot tell if this is him having fun. Is he pulling strings? No, I think he's no. just kind of careless. And yeah. 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 Okay. Not paying attention. Yeah. He's just not paying attention. I want to know. <laughs> what he's like thinking of through the day because he's just like like I'm out here to get snails baby I can't wait to get some snails what am I going to do with this boat who cares let's just fucking let's find out well maybe he doesn't row as much as let's say Joey because she has you know has to get to her house so maybe he's not used to that like oh okay I gotta tie it up now mm-hmm. you know is that dude just so zen that nothing like deflects everything? Yeah, like nothing matters. Seems like it. <laughs> be <laughs> like Pacey. <laughs> yeah. That's that here. will be our uh, group tattoo that we get. What would Pacey do? <laughs> WWPD. <laughs> he would fuck and then laugh. At the classic throw a ball at some milk bottles carnival booth, 
Dawson and Cliff compete with each other to prove their masculinity, while Jen and Mary Beth watch in silent disgust. After Cliff wins round one, Dawson begs for a second go. After a show of incredible pitching, Dawson takes the second game and wins a big stuffed clown. His hesitation at which lucky lady he'll give the clown to is an explosive, <laughs> obvious mess, leading Dawson to tell Mary Beth that they need to talk. Did anyone else feel like we were watching a group date on The Bachelor? Uh, <laughs> Competition, yeah, for sure, right? Totally. <laughs> uh, also, Cliff calls Dawson Doss. Oh, okay. Hmm, that's fun. Cliff also calls Dawson this, and I oh, yes, love it. Oh, yes, that's a good one. Ooh. Tough luck, D-Man. <laughs> D-Man. D-Man. Yeah. Tough luck, D-Man. 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 <gasps> D-Man. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> is that your paranormal connection? Oh, no. It's, it's <laughs> upcoming. But that is a good one. Maybe he is the devil. So I was in this moment, I wish when they when Cliff got won and got to pick the animal, right, I wish Jen would have been able to pick her own stuffed animal. Instead, she tells Cliff that he can pick it out because I trust you or whatever she says. Yeah. I wanted to know what she would have picked out for herself. Mm. <laughs> Could have been a test though. Mm. Could have been a test. Could have been. She's like, if he true. chooses the clown, he's right. insane. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> what did he choose again? Big uh, dog? It was, uh, I think it was a dog. Yeah. Like, yeah, a, like husky. a husky. Dog. Yeah. yeah. Big, big dog. She what? had two at one point though. So yeah, there's something. Remember my question about marine biology? Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. It was the cat. Big because the, the attendant, the carnival attendant goes big cat for a little lady. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. And what I, happens if you put cat in water? Mm. I do have Meow. a fun fact about the carnival attendant. The carny? Yeah. So I recognized him and I didn't know why. And so I looked up who this person was. Um, he is... Uh, he was a production assistant for Dawson's Creek, and he just happened to be in this. They put him in this episode. His name is Craig Edwards. Um, he's on Instagram as Craig Edwards nine nine eight one, and he posts a ton of yeah. like throwback photos from filming, call sheets, hair and makeup continuity, Polaroids, and like a bunch of fun stuff for behind the scenes. Yeah, Whoa. we're following we're following him yeah. on Instagram because that's how I was like, this guy looks so totally. familiar, and well, I've seen so like his stuff. You should, yeah, everyone should go take a look at his account because it's so fun stuff. We yeah. can thank him for this line. It's a little loud, but it's worth listening to. So, my friend, who's the lucky lady? <laughs> thank you, Chris. That has been stuck in my mind since hearing it. Craig. Well, he's Chris to me. Thank you, Craig, Chris. <laughs> and it was a Robin Hood fox that, that stuffed oh, God. thing <laughs> from, I, from the Disney, Disney's Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So awkward. Sexy fox. <laughs> Just like him turning to Jen. So awkward. So cringy. This is the whole episode made me. So is he, I mean, he is. He's actually thinking of giving it to Jen in this moment? I think it's just like a, a reaction. Like he's just yeah. like, oh, I'm going to give it to Jen. But then, I, oh. Whoops, I forgot that I'm here with this other person. So it reminded me of uh, the greatest film of all time, Perks of Being a Wallflower, when they're uh, playing truth or dare and what what is the dare it's like kiss the prettiest girl in the room and that's when he's dating Mae Whitman but he hesitates because Emma Watson's there it reminded me of that rough stuff classic boy move <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean come on bros how often does this happen to you <laughs> Pacey and Joy bicker through the marshes until they finally reach the pickup sopping wet 
Pacey offers her a blanket to change into, and they both strip on opposite sides of the truck. When Pacey gets in the car, he realizes he can sneak a perverted peek at Joey changing, all set to one of the absolute worst horny butt rock songs I've ever yeah. had the displeasure of listening <laughs> yeah. to in my entire life. He can't wipe that shit-eating grin off his big, dumb, horny face when she gets in the passenger seat, making her suspicious. He diverts, complimenting her that, she, uh, that she's fun to hang out with. And when she's loosened up a little and she playfully asks him to drive her home. Yeah. That song. I want to be your underwear. Yes. Awful. I want to be, I want to be the sheets when you sleep. I want to be the the razor when you shave. That's (laughs) disgusting. Yeah. That is no joke. The worst song. I'm making it my, um, alarm. Bring back tone. When I wake up, that'll be what I wake up to. That's a sad track to wake up to. Everything about this is gross. Pacey, disgusting. I do not like this. I would rather him... Okay, backtrack. We we had talked about his clownish exterior, and that's what mm-hmm. he uses to deflect because he's an insecure boy. Um, and I, I, I'd, be, oh, I'd almost be okay with him being the horny boy exterior if it wasn't solidified that he actually is just the horny boy here. Yeah. Yeah. She, di- she didn't give consent for him to ogle her through that rear view. It no. was disgusting. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, it's. I think this is supposed to be the uh, the girl takes her glasses off moment, or yeah. the girl lets yeah. her hair down right. moment. Yeah. And, oh my god, she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's really not cool. <laughs> it's really. Uh, but what else can we expect from this show? Just like I said earlier with the um, with the moment between Mister Manmeat and Manmeat Junior, this show loves to beg the question: Is this cute or is this toxic? Because this <laughs> moment is like. It's so fucking stupid that this is what triggers his attraction to her. Yeah. Boobies. Like, that's it. That's That's all it takes. Like, you would think that their fun banter would have triggered something in his mind to be like, wow, I really have a lot of fun hanging out with her. Like, she's really smart and, like, we have a lot of fun together. No, it's the fact that she was naked once. Like, that's all (laughs) it takes for him to be like, wow, I think I might like this girl. Yeah. I will say, despite all of that, this is a cute little moment between Pacey and uh, and and Joey here. Home jeez. <laughs> yes, Miss Stacy. <laughs> that was cute. Undermined yeah. a little bit by that fucking music <laughs> in the background, right. but I did. I mean, Joey always has the best reactions and faces and stuff, so mm-hmm. I loved it when she was like, "Home jeeves. Yeah, <laughs> I cute. felt myself developing like a pretty strong crush on Joey throughout this episode, <laughs> like. I just love her little smile, and I don't know. She's cute. I think she's cute. Yeah, yeah she's super she's cute. cute. I mean, Katie Holmes is the best, I feel like, the best person in this show. Mm-hmm. Not Joey is the best. I mean, jo- I think Joey's the best character in the show, but also Katie Holmes is the best at doing the- her character. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice the level of water changed on her shirt throughout this, oh. well, when they're no, in front cool. of the truck, and then it's like up 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 here above like almost to her neck and then when she goes around uh walks around to the other side of the truck it's like not even wet there's like no mm. watermark <laughs> so that I was did kind of a fun that. little you what i didn't know yeah. i normally yeah. do but hmm. <laughs> that sucks that that means like the multiple days that they had to yeah. shoot this scene it's like all right you have to jump in the water in again. the water yeah. <laughs> i was too distracted by just thinking like god it would really be uncomfortable to be trying to drive a truck naked <laughs> wrapped up in a blanket <laughs> you know like yeah there were some pretty like sunset shots yes. of yeah. the creek mm-hmm. that was nice it's a beautiful place to spy on your enemy mm-hmm. yeah agreed 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> Outside the carnival, Dawson finds Mary Beth to apologize, and she not only reveals that she actually doesn't like him like him, but that she, in fact, has feelings for Cliff. <laughs> While they mope with each other, Mary Beth proposes that there may be a way for them to help each other out. Yeah, so I guess it kind of, like, begs the question, why did she agree to go out with him? If she, I wonder if she knew she didn't like like him or... She didn't realize that until she spent more time with him. She, but. I think she says she was just had nothing to do. I yeah. think, oh, like, I think she kind of mentions him. that. And then when she found out, then later she sees Cliff. Then <laughs> then she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna hang out. I'm gonna hang around because I like Cliff." Or whatever. What is it yeah. that she says about? She's like, "Have you ever?" When she's talking about why that she likes Cliff, she's like, "Have you ever noticed when you when Cliff looks at you, his eyes smile, his eyes, yeah, okay." I was, try, <laughs> I was trying to remember yeah. that. That's a weird way to put it. Like the smize. Oh, he's Classic. Tyra Banks. Yeah, that's a thing. America's Next Oh, yeah. Prune. yeah. Prune. Prune. What? Prune? Yeah. You, you don't know pruning? <laughs> no. What's pruning? Hit it's like you... It's oh, like you oh, 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 like the um, blue steel. Or, yes. Yeah, blue steel. <laughs> um, Vanderpump Rules reference. One of the characters oh, talks about pruning shit. in that I show. I remember that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, a couple things. Mary Beth... Uh, I'm Tim Allen. When, from my perspective, this very short introduction that we've gotten to Mary Beth as a character, she seems very reserved, very intelligent, except for being duped by Dawson. But like, she does not seem to be someone that is uh, overall chaotic. But she says something here about referring to herself as someone that creates scenes wherever she goes, which what the fuck does yeah. that mean? Like, what? Hmm. what is that? I, I mean, it's sad that this is the only time we're ever really going to meet this character, but it seemed very weird <laughs> that she creates scenes wherever she goes. Or and like she's bad like things happen. very understated and she's not super loud. So what does that mean? I'd love to see, like, an, like if this were a... Um, a Monty Python show. There would then be immediately a cut to a, her like walking into the bank, and all the tellers are like, "Oh my god!" And, like throwing yeah. money all over the place. <laughs> yeah, like somebody yeah. comes in to rob the bank, and she's just like, "Oh, shoot, shoot!" Oh, 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 jeez! Yeah. Don't cancel me. <laughs> yeah, if anyone's canceled, it's James. <laughs> the. <laughs> oh, I wonder if it's just like her because she's super self-deprecating. So I wonder if she just thinks that. Wherever she goes, she causes harm, but really, and like nothing wrong is ever happening. I don't know. Oh, also, yeah, her version, whatever her version of like chaos is, yeah, probably not nothing. I don't know. Uh, anyone notice that all of the carnival flags were pansexual pride flags? No. Yeah, no. It, I noticed that. Yeah. I wonder if that's purposeful because Kevin Williams oh, is gay. I don't I think wonder. he's pansexual, but I mean, it would be interesting. That's mm. fun for that to be there for a purpose. I don't know. Hmm. The return of she bends, she breaks. Mm. Oh yes, love that that song came back. Yeah, just so nice. You need to hear it twice, apparently. And speaking of hearing things twice, um, you're gonna hear an ad break. I don't know. We're gonna go to commercial, so we'll see you on the other side. Here. She bends. <laughs> hey, folks. Did you know the number one way you can help us grow is by telling your friends about the show? Hey, that rhymed. New shows like ours thrive on the power of word of mouth, which is why I'm here now asking you to please tell a friend about Freaks and Creeks. We've got an intro episode that is perfect for dipping a toe into before fully committing. You can share it with bit.ly slash freakspod. Thank you for listening and spreading the word. Now back to the episode. Now we're back. 
Later that night, the double daters wait at the base of the Ferris wheel for a romantic roller coaster of spinning in a vertical circle slowly in a small bucket. <laughs> when it's Cliff and Jen's turn to pop in, Mary Beth executes the secret plan, grabbing Cliff for herself, leaving Dawson and Jen waiting alone together. This <laughs> made me laugh so hard because Dawson's like, all right, you ready? Like, yeah. it's like this big thing. Secret plan. Yeah. Speaking of the Coen brothers, this is a heist. I wish it's the heist movie without the planning, I guess. Yeah. But And then Mary Beth, okay, Cliff, why don't you come with me? Because yeah, he barely so talked funny. all night. What? It's like this is the set piece of the whole experience. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to hang out with you. <laughs> so funny. Joey and Pacey are back in dry clothes at Joey's place, where he once again prods about her need for extra credit. She reveals she had actually got an A on her midterm, but explains that she wants perfect grades as a way to earn a university scholarship, believing it's her only way out of Capeside. Although Pacey jokes that he doesn't see himself ever making it out himself, he sincerely tells Joey that he believes in her. Yeah, this was, I thought, a really sweet, sweet mm-hmm. and moment between the two of them. Like, they had some fun um, bickering, you know, throughout, and then just to, like, kind of see him be genuinely like supportive and yeah. like being a good friend and giving her some like pretty positive words of like affirmation mm-hmm. that was like really cute and joey's wearing red yes oh. <laughs> She's wearing red again more importantly <laughs> there's also yeah. a big braid of garlic hanging in the kitchen <gasps> vampires vampires oh right, right next right. to where joey's standing also where's the baby oh yeah where's yeah. bessie where's bodie bodie bessie where's- <laughs> Alexander? Baby. Yeah, what's that the child's name? Alexander, baby Alexander. Well, we do get a mention of Bodie here because uh Pacey's wearing yes. Bodie's sweatshirt. And um Joey says, Don't thank me, thank Bodie. They're his. Yeah, we have he's wearing seen, his clothing. We he's haven't wearing, seen Bodie or no. Bessie in a while. <laughs> Bro, we know they're still at the ice house. House, yeah, house okay. shack. But where's the baby? I guess maybe they're, they're, uh, there's a working. babysitter. No. <laughs> Put him to work. He's a baby yeah, at the he ice house. tables. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we had talked about it earlier, but fine. You know, this is what I want to see. I want to see those yeah. walls slowly yes. break down. Mm-hmm. I like hearing him being, you know, encouraging. I wouldn't bet against that Potter girl. That was very mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. loved that. Uh, also, it, uh, another thing about just so revealing for Pacey for him to say that he's not going to make it out. And he just right. sees himself working at a gas station. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing wrong with working at a gas station, but if he really views himself as someone that will never make it to a, like a career, he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. I mean, given he's only 15 years old, but I think a lot of people can relate to this and yeah. being misguided. Yeah. And he, it's he's internalized everything that people have espoused about him being like lazy or stupid, not giving a shit. So why should he ever care about wanting to make it in his life? I mean, he's he's suffering from a version of depression, some form of depression, and it it all it's all starting to click. But then again, like we've already said numerous times in this episode, especially is that there we don't really see much of like oh that he is bright. Like it's just him being a horny cartoon uh, wolf, a wooga. Yeah, and I mean, he also what we know about Pacey are, is very little, but we know that everybody in his family is a cop. So presumably he also has the added burden of my entire life's path has been dictated by my family. Like they're expecting him to be a cop probably. So he doesn't really have to do anything because he's like, well, whatever, I'm just gonna be a cop. Yeah, it's dark. Mm-hmm. Having succeeded at cornering Jen in the great big bucket in the sky, 
He digs at her relationship with Cliff. She reacts by stating she wants to retract her offer of friendship, as he's clearly still fixated on her. Dawson once again picks low-hanging fruit in mocking her dating life and asks her to clarify her reasons for breaking up since she had stated she didn't want to be in a serious relationship, thinking this date with Cliff is a contradiction. She says it's simply just a date, and when Dawson wonders out loud if she feels the same way of both of them needing to be together, she has nothing to say. I mean, yeah, Dawson, I, I feel like, you know, Dawson's big question about, like, why did we break up? Because, you, you know, you said you wanted to be alone and now you're going on dates. Like, I feel like that's very valid and mm-hmm. I understand, like, why he would be confused and frustrated. Um, and I think, you, I, I don't know, I, in some ways it's like, you know, just like give her some space at yeah. the same time. It's yeah. like, I would want to know why too. Cause that's really mixed messages for it to be like the whole reason we're breaking up is because I need to do my own thing. And then for you to go on dates, it's like, uh, yeah, probably feels really shitty and yeah. confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't really yeah. agree with what Jen's saying where she's like, it's just a date. I'm, we're not planning our engagement party or something. It's like, yeah, but you still said you needed to be alone. So this is directly conflicting with that. Um, n- not to say that like she should turn down a date if she, yeah, just yeah, because, but it's right. just I, he is you're, like you're saying he's entitled to be confused because that's fucking confusing. Mm. And she has every right to go on a date if she yeah. wants to, even right. though she said she was like. Nor does she need to explain yeah. it to him. Right. But at the same time, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Well, she was right in that like we shouldn't let's like not be friends because like this is clearly like not <laughs> you yeah. know working right now. I just think that he, you know, he, he basically Dawson like slut shames her, then he gaslights her and then he rubs everything in her face. So yet again, we're seeing Dawson just have some of the worst behavior on the show, Mm -hmm. but it's not dressed up in like really aggressive language or like loud outbursts. It's very toned down and from a cute little white boy. So it it feels like we're kind of like sugarcoating it and it almost feels worse yeah. To me, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel that way too? Like, yeah, totally. I agree. Feel, it's uh-huh. glorifying of this behavior to me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily <clears throat> glorifying it, but it feels more uh, realistic because yeah. I, f- I feel like the if we were to see a big melodrama of this taking place, let's say they shot the show in the 80s or 70s, it would have been a big loud outburst. It yeah. would be this like very direct messaging of slut shaming, but I think. Again, this is where I'm, I don't know if I'm giving blind credit to Kevin mm-hmm. Williamson, but I feel like it's richer to tell it from this perspective of him being like a quiet, uh, cutesy boy. Yeah. Because this is realistic. Like, this is how boys act um, more so than just like outright screaming and being a piece of shit. Like, he's, mm-hmm. I mean, still a piece of shit, but he's yeah. doing it in a very, uh, Yacht club. Yeah, like toned down yeah. way. And this is how a lot of people are. Yeah. Uh, and it. So do you, I guess you are you saying that Kevin Williams, you're giving him the credit of like saying that that's intentional. He's doing that to show us like a bit of realism. Yeah. Okay. I guess I like if that's the case, I like that because you're right. This is more realistic. This is probably more representational of how a lot of people in the middle class, like ecosystem work. At least I should say, this is probably similar to a lot of experiences that people have had in their lives. If it's not because of that, and it's because I'm always like, if we're seeing it on TV from our main character, they're trying to say it's good, Um, which is probably not necessarily true, right? That's that's definitely not 
universal in in media, but it feels like. Uh, in a daytime TV show, that's what they're trying to do for us. Yeah, the show mm-hmm. isn't The Sopranos. We're yeah. not like I don't think anyone's watching this with the eyes of someone that's trying to be really analytical and yeah. in the depth of these characters. You're supposed to be following this character Dawson and relate to him, which is unfortunate. I mean, if that's what the message that they're projecting is like, oh, like boys will be like him, and we're gonna feel bad for him because Jen is a you know a crazy lady for dating when she said she wouldn't. That sucks. I I. I I don't know. I, maybe this yeah. is just wishful thinking that I think this is uh, purposeful. And again, I I felt as as how we've been viewing it, at least with Dawson being kind of shitty, not kind of shitty, he just is <laughs> shitty, when she broke up with him, that was validating to our reading of his character of being a bad dude right. because finally he's seeing repercussions of his actions. The thing that really sucked for me watching this play out is that Jen ends up just saying nothing. And then that's, that's what we're left with. So him being an asshole, he's not rewarded for it, but he's, he doesn't, he doesn't receive any negative comeback from it either. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's left vague. I mean, I guess in a way that allows us to make that judgment for ourselves, which is good. That's what good art does. But at the same time, this doesn't feel like this isn't cinematic. This isn't literary. Exactly. You know, yeah. We're going to see this next week on Dawson's Creek and they're going to be pretending like this conversation never happened yeah. realistically. Right. Um, I want to get back to your initial reading of the Ferris wheel being a representation of the cycle and the, and the need to break that. I really like that. I think that that is so cool. And I really don't like, to your point, that we don't get an answer here. I wish that there was a big statement from Jen beyond, like, I don't think we should be friends, which is really just a read of, like, man, she's just getting so emotional here. She just needs to get away from this mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah, And so- then she just, at the very end, has a non-answer. Yeah. Like, she has this look on her face. It's kind of com- She's kind of confused, but we don't know. What? It, it yeah. seems very pointed that they're pointing out uh, a Ferris wheel and a merry-go-round. Those mm-hmm. are two things that yeah. just spin in circles. And they use the Ferris wheel for him and Jen. They're going to use the merry-go-round for right. the, Pacey. the Joey Pacey, yeah. you know, yep. relationship stuff. Uh, which is why I feel like this is smarter, yeah. hopefully, than mm-hmm. what I, I'm seeing. Because they are aware of the tediousness of this mm-hmm. bullshit happening yeah. over and over again. It's a good point. I don't know. The um, the song playing in the scene was a Jan Arden song yes. again She's called back. Hanging by a Thread. Canada. And then we should talk about, you have the uh, quote from Mary Beth, right? Yes. Yeah. Over to Mary Beth and Cliff. Uh, was another moment that made me laugh out loud. Me too. That was good. Me too. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do. I know yeah, what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. So this is the best moment of the entire episode, in my opinion. Uh, this is how I want to like just communicate with people in the, in, in the future. <laughs> you know what I find fascinating? Um, is that the word flammable and inflammable mean the exact same thing. Isn't that bizarre? Love <laughs> It's so cool. And Cliff, he doesn't, he's, he just like looks blankly, stares yeah. blankly ahead, doesn't say anything. So Cody, Come are on. you still a Cliff stan? He's still just a nice guy. I guess he was probably thinking about Jen, but yeah, I mean, a couple things. Cliff, we should have talked about this earlier, but when they introduce Cliff again in this episode, (laughs) he looks like he's aged twenty five years (laughs) since last time we've seen. He is a full grown adult. He could be my daddy. And also, yeah, I, I I don't know if I'm much of a Cliff stand. I feel like his character has taken the back seat a lot in the show. I thought he was going to be more of a threat. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but even in this, 
kind of dickish with the the boy stuff with the bottle throwing and i don't really like that masculine kind of shit it's obnoxious yeah uh, pissing contest classic pissing contest mm-hmm. yeah uh, another good line from mary beth yeah <laughs> but again like he if i put myself in his shoes I too would be staring blankly out at the sea being like, yeah. why am I in this big old bucket with this stranger? Yeah. I really wish that we got to hear from cliff in this episode. Like, because what's his experience on this whole double date? He mm-hmm. like, are we, he feels like more than just a villain. So are we really supposed to just believe that he doesn't have any opinion about this? Because otherwise he's finally got, you know, he's been wanting to go on a date with Jen for so long. Clearly he finally got to take her out on a real date. And then what happens? Dawson (laughs) fucking comes with Mary Beth, who he clearly has no feelings Mm -hmm. for whatsoever. And then in the one most romantic moment of the entire night, which really would have gone the best that it possibly could because it stops. We could have made out so hard, but I'm stuck hearing about (laughs) flammability and inflammability with fucking Mary Beth dressed like my grandmother. Like, poor Cliff, dude. Grandma lawyer. Coming this fall. (laughs) Grandma lawyer, so good. Yeah, Yeah, I, I wonder if they're just like phasing Cliff out. Like oh, I f- yeah. this might be the last Eventually, time we ever see I think Cliff. he's in the. I think he might be in the next episode. But do you ooh, think he ever takes that Letterman jacket off? Sorry, absolutely. Maybe he gets killed in the next. I was going to say maybe he gets killed <gasps> yes. off. That'd be sick. I, God, I ah. hope this show kills characters off. That would be. <laughs> that would make this. Sh- I would. Yeah, I'd be in forever mm-hmm. if this show's just like. Oh yeah, let's um, let's kill Mary Beth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. She's gonna fall off the Ferris wheel. For, yeah. the, for the listeners <laughs> in the know, and for the listeners that are not in the know, uh, all we know about this upcoming episode is it is a spooky, yes. uh, like serial killer episode. Yeah, in April, the the spookiest of all. Yeah. The shot, like the thumbnail of the uh-huh. next episode, is <laughs> it looks like Joan screaming. Yes, so, another yeah. scream. Ah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can't wait to hear uh, like an updated scream for her. I hope we get another scream. While Dawson silently broods on a carnival bench, Joey and Pacey show up. Pacey quickly takes Dawson aside and discloses that his experience with Joey that day opened a world of romantic feelings. Pacey asks Dawson for permission to lay on a smooch. And when he asks why, Pacey acknowledges the not-so-subtle subtext of their chemistry. Dawson gives approval, but retracts! then quickly retracts the retraction and tells Pacey to go for it. As Pacey leaves with a new spring in a step, Dawson stands forlorn by the merry-go-round. He looks so relieved to see Joey and Pacey walking yeah. up he's, uh, as he's sitting on that bench. He does. Yeah. yeah it's like, oh, Finally, my friends. Yeah. Yeah, it was sweet. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, no, you deserve to sit here and <laughs> right. fucking bask in mm-hmm. the shit that you created, motherfucker. Like, you should not <laughs> yeah. get an out. And once again, another sequence where a boy sits on a bench and broods after <laughs> something bad bench. happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I loved the um, merry-go-round <laughs> shots going back between Dawson and Pacey. Yeah. Yeah, it almost looks like a horror movie. Yeah, behind yeah. Behind them, yeah. the angle mm-hmm. with the merry-go-round behind them. Yeah. That was cool. So, something that is... That I can't stop thinking about is, you know, I, I've already talked about like maybe the symbolism of you know the merry-go-round going around and around and around. But another thing that seemed very purposeful is when Pacey is proclaiming his love for Joey. Now the carnival music is very loud in the background. Mm. That seems mm-hmm. very purposeful. Are they trying to say that this is a joke? Like this mm. is a circus. This is going to be something that's going to keep going and going and going. I, I don't really know how to read that. I don't know if it's like mocking Pacey or if it's just saying mm. that like. 
life as a circus. Hmm. Hmm. I don't, Hmm. yeah, I didn't, I didn't quite notice that, but that is a good point. Like they wouldn't just be randomly have the music be loud. They, so they did that for a reason. What is that reason? Yeah, it's the, it's the mm-hmm. first time that we've been at the carnival that we finally hear bah, 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 yeah. bah, 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 right. like very, very loud. Yeah, I, I did like that Pacey went out of his way to talk to Dawson and ask him, like ask his thoughts on pursuing Joey, um, you know, since he knew they had a past. I didn't like, like later, well, obviously, like the way that he went about it, but it showed friendship that he thought oh i need i should talk to dawson about this first yeah i mean i think it shows that he has a conscience right (laughs) he's not just gonna do it um with no with reckless abandon uh, Um, until he's with joey (laughs) right but that's where it gets problematic you know yeah yeah we could we should talk about that then right right but here, I agree to your point or to, to what you're saying. I, I, it, it is kind of a sweet moment to see him talking about. It. It's weird though because it's a it's kind of like making Joey an object. You know, it's like yeah. objectifying that she has no say in this conversation. Well, right. I mean, later, of course yeah. she doesn't. But yeah. it, you know, it just it it. I don't know how to. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's, it's like yeah, he's good here, but but then he's not. Yeah. You know, it's like the two ends of it. I don't know. Yeah. One step forward, two steps back. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think it takes away from her agency. I, I, I really do think it is just like between two friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, not because it's not like, hey, da- like if he, they're yeah. going to be more explicit about it, being like, hey, mm-hmm. Dawson, I know you have feelings for Joey, but it's you've never consummated them. Like, I don't. You're my only friend. Right. So, like, would this ruin our friendship sure. if I, you know? I don't think it's like mm-hmm. it's like. Can I uh, sell you a, a goat or a right. cow for <laughs> yeah. uh, one of your daughters? And then uh, he even like asks, "Are you sure?" After mm-hmm. Dawson, you know, retracts it, so it's like he really—I think—in that moment, he really does care. Yeah, what, I agree. Yeah, but I do wonder if Dawson said no. What does that? Where does Pacey go with that? What what happens? Right? Then? Why? Yeah, I just I yeah I wish Dawson was more honest in that moment and actually stuck with his his gut there. Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of wonder, yeah, if that was just a gut reaction or, like, what was going on in Dawson's head for him to change his mind and then change it back so quickly. Right. It was just like, yeah. I have some theories. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. Okay. So, um, first, I do want to play this audio clip. This is, I know I said that the uh, last clip was one of my favorites. This is actually my very favorite clip, possibly of all of Dawson's Creek so far. My two best friends kissing. What, what could be better than that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's that amazing. Is hilarious. But here is my theory. Okay, so Dawson is saying ridiculous shit. He says that, right? He's my two best friends kissing. What could be better than that? Uh, of course, you know, he gives his consent and then he snaps into focus. Like the, you know, the world stops spinning. He realizes, he has this moment of realization. He says, no, actually, I don't uh, give my consent on this. And then, as if afflicted by a hex or a curse or some kind of charm mm. spell, he Ooh. then is like, actually, you know what? Totally good. Love it. Have at it. So. Here's what I think. Pacey is actually a warlock. Who is, oh. Oh, his powers are awakening. He is just starting to realize his powers. He doesn't know how to control them yet, but what he wants <laughs> is Joey's affection. He knows that in order to truly pursue that, he needs to get Dawson on board. And because of that, his instinctual powers charm Dawson in this moment. He doesn't know how to control it because he can't charm Joey later, but I think he's a warlock. Yes. All signs point to yes. 
man, whew, I feel like 10 pounds lighter after getting Yeah, that you look good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just one last thing about that scene. <laughs> now that I think about it, that final wide shot that we get of uh, Dawson being centered in the image with the merry-go-round spinning in the background. Uh, another, sh- It's just another shot of Dawson looking like a toddler with all yeah. his baggy clothes. The way he's standing, too. Yeah. It's kind of like... Yeah. Hunched in like... Yeah. Yeah. Beep. Pacey drops off Joey, and as he walks her to the door, he expresses how much fun he had with her and lays on a smooch. She backs away, surprised. When asking why he went for it, he explains that his feelings for her were awakened that day. Joey doesn't feel the same way, but Pacey says it's okay and acknowledges the awkwardness. She tells him she had a good day before walking to her front door, but he stops her to ask if they had kissed again, would she be thinking of someone else? She doesn't answer, and Pacey joins the Sad Sack Forlorn Club. He does. Mm-hmm. Did anyone recognize the song? Yes. Yeah. She's the one. Yeah. Yeah. This song sounded really familiar mm-hmm. and I couldn't place it like how it, if I had seen it in like another or heard it in yeah. another movie or something, but very catchy. Yeah. Speaking of Ben Folds, <laughs> when, <laughs> when we were playing this or when, when I watched this the first time, I was like, is this a Ben Folds song that I don't? <laughs> It does have that it's, vibe. Yeah. yeah, it's one by one world, or no, by it's she's the one by World, world Party, Party. But then there's also a version by someone named Robbie Williams. Oh yes, okay. that's how I know this song. Yeah. He's like the UK pop singer. Right. I yeah, used yeah, to yeah. be very into Robbie Williams. Okay. He used to be very into you. Oh, <laughs> I that's wish. Nice. Yeah, this is a <laughs> weird scene. I feel like. This is not the end of Joe Pay, as I'm calling them. Joe Pay, isn't it JC? Isn't that what people call him? Well, I don't give a fuck about other people. (laughs) That's okay. We can make a new one. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's buck the trend and go with a totally new, horrible (laughs) name. Joe Pay. (laughs) (laughs) But this is such a um, Mm. uncomfortable kissy. Very uncomfortable. He doesn't ask for Joey's consent. They weren't even on a date. So what's he thinking? (laughs) Like <laughs> to be to play devil's advocate, and maybe I'm putting my head on the chopping block. Look, all of you have been canceled already, so I got to join the club. So. No, you were canceled earlier. <laughs> remember? No, no, I don't remember that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, to play devil's advocate, this feels very accurate for a 15 year old boy to do after he's been thinking of his feelings all day and work this whole moment up in their head, especially in the 90s before anybody thought about asking for consent. Let me show you. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I thought... Sorry. <laughs> no, you're... I just was thinking, like, I can't imagine a 15-year-old saying that and oh, being, well. like, think like he went into it as if he's going to... This is going to be smooth. Yeah. yeah. He definitely yeah, he thought he it was going to be smooth. <laughs> yeah, you know. Like Rob um, Thomas and Carlos Santana. Mm. Smooth. Man, it's a hot one. Uh... Seven inches from the midday sun. Oh, is that what the lyric I, is? Yeah. Oh, okay. I just feel like it could make more sense if he if they were on some sort of a date. Like then it's like okay, this is already a vibe yeah. where we might like each other. But like it wasn't even near near that. Which makes me feel like maybe there will be a um, a revisiting of this moment under mm, the date conditions, right? For them and to fully just, explore these feelings she, because yeah, she doesn't like shoot it down. No. She's more just like eh. You know, yeah. like she had does, a good time. Yeah. She grabs his arm at uh, the end and tells him she close. had a nice time. So she'll kiss him, I think. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I know. I mean, yeah, like we're talking about like how it's kind of, it's gross that he lays on a big fat mm-hmm. one. But I mean, you know, I, just 
playing devil's advocate from the position that they had a really good day. Yeah. I mean, they had fun. Their bickering ceased and they had a very vulnerable moment and it seemed like things were going in a direction that could open the door for a smooch. They went to the carnival together as well. So it wasn't an official date, but I could see myself in his shoes being like, Mm -hmm. oh, I think this is a mutual connection. And at the very least, when she told him to stop, he stopped and and then they had a discussion about it. I agree. That's true. So, yeah. 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 I, yeah, I agree. Like, I feel like it, it from, from Pacey's perspective, it does make sense, like, why he would choose to do that. But at the same time, it's like such a quick decision after, yeah. like, mm-hmm. knowing someone and being friends with someone for so long to, like, mm-hmm. you know, make that choice of, like, oh, this could jeopardize, jeopardize our friendship. Mm-hmm. Seems like a, a pretty bold, yeah, kind of careless move to make. Oh, who is the most careless character on this show? <laughs> Yeah, Remember, it makes sense. Killed yeah. all those snails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. He's the carnivore. He is. Just looking for some meat to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, ha- made a connection. So Jen has kind of a non answer, and so does Joey mm. in this moment. She doesn't, mm-hmm. yep. you know, answer, doesn't respond. So leaves the door open. Also, it's the first episode we haven't really had an interaction with Jen and Joey. Yeah. It's like absent, nothing between them. Oh yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, it just makes me think of like what, what this. I God, I want to know what this writers' room was like. I'm yeah. so curious because there have been so many weird beats to how these relationships yeah. are progressing, even just as friendships. That I like. It mm-hmm. seems like so much is just kind of they give up. Yeah. I don't. I don't really know if they even know where they want these characters to go. I can't wait to get to season two because I really feel like they had such a scattershot approach to season one with it all being filmed in a lump before episode one releases, you know, like it, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that they like took, they had like, you know, nine big ideas at once. And then they polished those out to full episodes that Mm -hmm. they like, as they were dropping in the timeline, we're like, Oh, okay, we can incorporate this idea now, but that's maybe why they all feel so disjointed. And we constantly be, are like, why is it like they forgot that this shit happened? Maybe because it was written before that shit had happened. Yeah. And then they shot it, you know, before that shit had happened, but it wasn't until they lined Mm -hmm. all of the episodes out that they really had those plot. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like after they've given, they've been given the opportunity to take a step back and see. Yeah audience reactions and the pro yeah exactly you know over the break between season one being viewed and before beginning even writing season two that's going to be very interesting i can't wait it's it's really cool because that's going to mirror our show's trajectory too you know when we come back for season two we're going to have like fully written scripts that we're reading for the (laughs) whole show Um, we'll have costuming and wardrobe in here hair makeup we'll probably have a full set um so yeah just look forward to that in Dawson's room, our sad boy pops out of bed, rushes down the stairs, and out the door as we see his parents embracing in the kitchen as the telephone continuously rings. Dawson bursts into the video store, where he says that he's changed his mind about being okay with Pacey kissing Joey. Pacey riffs, saying the deed has been consummated, and jokes about their budding relationship before admitting defeat. When Dawson jokes that Pacey is full of shit, Pacey turns it around on him, pointing yeah. out that Dawson mm-hmm. needs to finally make a decision about who he really wants, Joey or Jen? Blonde or brunette? <laughs> Betty or Veronica? Just let it ring. Let it ring. Again, just how shoehorned is that <laughs> yeah, show? Yeah, really. 
I love Gail's reaction to it too. It's it's like it's Crying. the sweetest thing he's ever fucking said. She's just like, oh yeah, let it fucking ring. Fuck up. It it is like a sweet moment to see them embracing, yeah. and then mm-hmm. Dawson gets to see that. I did like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but you know they're only embracing because Mitch is like slipping a GPS tracking you <laughs> on the back of her head. Like, I'm going to fucking track you wherever you go, Gail. I feel like this is the now the third time where, I mean, we know that the ball is in Mitch's court with this relationship yeah. mm-hmm. trying to heal. But whenever this storyline is progressing in any episode, it always ends on the exact same beat yeah. where it's Mitch puts on the cassette that has the shitty uh, slow jams mm-hmm. or it's him sitting on the front porch going, ah, yeah. or it's uh, this being like, <laughs> let it ring. It's always him. Like it's He's the exact same it. thing. Yeah. 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 But not yeah. progressing it. Right. To mm-hmm. your point. It's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just keep it right here, treading water. Yeah. Like, I would mm-hmm. like, I mean, like, at this point, Gail should know that she should work, like, do something to, like, kind of, yeah. like, win him back in a way. You would think yeah. that she would want to have some control over the situation and, yeah. I don't know, reignite the flame. And mm-hmm. maybe what we're seeing is a representation of kind of things that happen in real life is due to no fault of her own, Bob, I was going to say Ed. Who the fuck? Ed from Twin Peaks, you know, Ed, Big Ed's gas farm? Yeah. He calls. Anyway, um, Bob calls the house and sets this whole thing into motion. It, like, peaks Mr. Man meets jealousy and, and of course, that's its own can of worms. But, like, that's nothing that she is doing that had it happen. But by the end of the episode, he so graciously forgives her for something that is completely not her fault. But you know what I mean? Like that realistic thing of like sometimes people you hurt people through no action or fault of your own. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Very good point. I'm, ju- I'm just trying to think if, if they're trying to use the Mitch and Gale stuff to mirror dawson and joey in the the ringing phone is supposed to be pacey like Ooh. just let it mm. ring like pacey is gonna try to get in the way of what our relationship has always been Ooh, okay mm. uh that's like the only plausible thing in my mind that makes this plot point worth even having in this episode yeah interesting, interesting. it's it's not like they needed a c story because no. i would almost view M- mitch and gail as dawson and jen because through Dawson and Jen's trials and tribulations, he was going to his parents for advice, and like through their repre- through their relationship, he got wisdom on their relate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Through- but I agree that's an interesting read on it, uh, because otherwise, why else is he doubling down on Joey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, triangles forming Mrs. in these relationships. What's that, Mrs. Mrs. Triangle? triangle yeah, and also, <laughs> I mean. Uh, e- e- with that mirroring this like throuple kind of situation when when Dawson jumps into the video store to accost Pacey, what is Pacey watching? The Three Stooges. Oh, Mm. uh, Three Stooges. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, but I liked that because they they say, look, look, like look at the fool. And then they pan over to Pacey. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah, I loved Pacey's speech. I actually capped it. I want us to listen to it. Here's yeah. 25 seconds of Pacey just fucking nailing it. You know, it's time you start asking yourself some serious questions, Dawson. Because you exhaust way too much time and energy on a girl you call your friend. So, you know what? Let's just set the record straight here. Who's it going to be? Is it Jen or is it Joey? Do you like the blonde or do you like the brunette? 
These questions are not going to go away, Dawson. It's time that you provide some answers. Had to keep that piano <laughs> yeah. in there. I love that shit. I mean, I think Pacey redeems himself uh, with this speech because he's right. He's right, yep. Granted, he's also a little bit selfish here, but... Well. I wish his character made sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's the watcher, the great watcher right. that understands the the mechanics of these relationships. That he's done this before, where he's right. kind of accosted Dawson about these similar mm-hmm. tropes. But uh, again, he's also a complete dunce and feeds snails to each other. So, like, who the fuck is this guy to yeah. like know anything about anything? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. really make sense. Um, but I appreciate it. Oh yeah, me too. It's a good speech. I'll take any character putting Dawson in his place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great That's final kind of where scene. I'm at with this show at this point. <laughs> Every episode should really end with someone being like, Dawson, you are a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is why. Yeah, I I wonder, like, obviously this, this question kind of keeps coming up. It seems very, like, I don't know, this seems more, like, kind of direct in a way. I don't yeah. know, it seems, like, more, mm-hmm. like, in Dawson's face. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wonder if, like, this season will end with, like, him making a choice or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's definitely calling his bluff. You know, he's like, all right, you have to start doing something here. You can't keep doing this. And I really thought this this season was going to end with him choosing one of them, not knowing that by episode three he would be dating Jen. Yeah. So it... I have no fucking idea what's going to happen, but I agree. Like, I feel like he's going to have to choose one of these two and then it's going to end up biting him in the ass. And I feel like it's going to be Jen, not Joey. The thing that really bums me out is knowing that. So, okay, we're an audience in 1998. We're watching this on TV and we do, we we expect after the speech that, Oh my God, it's all going to culminate to the next episode. That's where we're going to finally answer this. Uh Mm -hmm. And now we have the knowledge that the next episode is like a high concept, highly stylized slasher. that will probably like, it'll all be a dream or, you know, something that's so frustrating that they Mm -hmm. would like drag along viewers and then save it for the finale. I I can assume that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's what three episodes left. So like the next one's going to be nothing like, separate and then yeah, back yeah. To i mean the, that's best yeah. case scenario they revisit this in the episode after or by the finale worst right. case scenario is they do this dream sequence slasher thing to make us forget about all of this and then mm-hmm. they come back with some you know basically trivial episode and then they set up the finale for something unrelated to this entirely like hmm. gramps That'll- dies you know oh what I my mean? God. That, like the what would- like gramps dies <laughs> oh yeah right and then yeah. is jen gonna stay in capeside mm. I will lose my mind if they just go off the rails again on this. Yeah. Just like answer the fucking question. I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad as hell. <laughs> Don't you fuck with my Dawson's Creek. Are we, uh, did we do it? Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. Wow. We did it. I feel much like Dawson and, well, yeah, much like probably all of the characters in Dawson's Creek feel in, in, the, end, in the end of the scene here, like unresolved. Like, I want to keep going, but we have to watch next week's episode to yeah. go further, I guess. So um, let's go into our ratings. Who wants to go first? Me? Okay. Um, yeah, so um, this episode gets a 3.18, which I'm just going to go ahead and round down to a 3. And I feel like that's pretty representative. Like, this episode, I didn't 
particularly enjoy. I really liked moments of it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just give it high marks for world building. You know, we got a new character in the in in uh, Mary Beth. We also got this biology doctor in the classroom. We got the marshes. We got the carnival. Like, I like that. I want more of seeing. I want more of the the world of Capeside revealed to us. Um, we also got a warlock, and I really like Cody's idea that there is a snail human snooman hybrid <laughs> that is out there. <laughs> Uh, and I also really have a lot of memories of being a kid and looking forward to the county fair coming into town and like all of the hijinks that me and my my friends would get up to at the county fair. So I can't kind of help but like channel some of those positive vibes into this episode. So three feels about right. And that's what I'm going to stick to. Uh, I'm going to give it a three as well. Um, I like the different settings. You know, we got to go to the carnival, the creek, more rowing. It was fun to see some rowing. Um, I did not like how they used Mary Beth um, since I'm pretty sure we're not going to see her again. I wish I I wish they hadn't used her in that way because we we won't get to see her make a comeback really. So, Um, yeah, I don't know. It really feels like such a waste of a good character. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. The show. Yeah. I mean, I guess this is what you. I'm trying to rationalize it. It's like, even though Cape Side is supposed to be a small town, this, we've talked about before, this high school looks like there's like 20,000 yeah. students there. So anytime they need a convenient character to just like step in to right. be the wall that's going to be pushing up against them, they're just going to invent a new student. Yeah. So yeah, it sucks that we got someone that was so rich with Mary Beth being an interesting complex character uh, that they're just going to let her fall to the wayside. So what's your rating then, Cody? Oh, is it my turn? Oh, I feel sure. like that was a good segue. Yeah. Sure. Okay, I guess I'm also giving it a three. I do want to point out that originally I uh, really did not like this episode. I gave it like a 1.5 until I felt as though, I mean, like reading into my own bullshit, I, I liked the merry-go-round symbolism. I'm thinking maybe this is very purposeful in showing that we're finally, we're, we're you know, this is the, the straw that broke the camel's back. That's the saying, right? Yes. Like this is like, we're finally done treading water with something that is, you know, we've just like pushed this to death. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So hopefully that, God. yeah, like this, like if that's what they're trying to say, then that elevated to a three. Um, I, you know, I hate Pacey being the, the horny boy, but I love them being vulnerable. <laughs> um, Hi, my name is Pacey and I am the horny boy. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's all he is, really, until he actually does open up a little bit more. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see where this goes, uh, if they actually do live up to the promises that were explained at the end of this episode of finally Mm -hmm. making choices and moving things forward. But if not, then I'm going to be very displeased. All right, I'm going to give it a (laughs) 3.25. I, you know, basically didn't like any of the Dawson stuff. Um... I don't think the the Pacey stuff bothered me as much a as much as it did for the three of you, um, and I I basically just wanted the whole episode to be Joey and Pacey because I enjoyed watching their chemistry and I feel like every time they were on scene I was like much more engaged and interested in what was going to happen, um, and yeah I enjoyed all of their scenes and their their like silly banter. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, the music. I really liked all the music this episode. Mm. Um, yeah. I think that's it. 
Joe Pay. Joe Pay. I, yeah, I just like felt giddy the whole time I was watching mm-hmm. them. I was like, I can't wait to see what happens next with the two of them. Also, this episode totally gets docked for wasting Michelle Williams as an actor. It's like, uh. once again, I mean, I've complained about it before, but ending almost every episode with her crying and giving a speech blows. But here yeah. they just end it with her crying and not even having a speech. Yeah. So I, she's just yeah. like, it's she is not useless. Jen is not useless, but the characterization is useless. You're mm-hmm. not even doing anything at this point. It's just like, she's right. just a prop for Dawson. I wholeheartedly agree. They are doing her a disservice, especially when she is giving one of the strongest performance, if not the strongest performance in the entire show. Um, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, I guess we should probably get into recommendations then, huh? Yeah, let's get out of, out of Cape side. Okay. Should I go ahead and go first on recommendations? Sure. Okay. Cool. So uh, I got a music recommendation this week, believe it or not. And I think you guys are really going to love this one. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I actually, it's, it's a, I've been recommending a lot of kind of like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I know a lot of records, a lot of albums. I'm also recommending another album right now, but it's by a band called Tropical Fuckstorm. And do you guys know Tropical Fuckstorm? Yeah, they're sick as hell. They are sick as hell. Thank you. Tropical Fuckstorm is a... I guess like an Australian rock supergroup. Um, they've got members of the Drones. They've got members of High Tension, and they've got members of ModCon, um, all coming together, and they record this really, really great music. Um, but I'm specifically going to be recommending an album called Satanic Slumber Party. If you haven't heard it, it's great. It's only 19 minutes long, so anybody can listen to it. It's on all of the streaming services that you can imagine. It's on Bandcamp for completely free, and it's only three songs, and I love it. Um, Imagine that you are going over to your friend's house in October for a spooky slumber party, and uh, while you're there, you're playing with your Ouija board, and oopsie daisies, you summoned (laughs) the devil, and now you guys are all possessed by the devil. Well, that's what this album is. Um, There's three songs, like I said. It's really mostly just one song in the middle called Midnight in Sodom, and it's a fucking banger. Just go listen to track two if you only have four minutes in your life to spare, which, granted... You just listen to two hours of us jabbering on. I think you got some spare time. Go listen to the whole fucking album, but just listen to that one song if you don't. Um, So yeah, Satanic Slumber Party. It's great. You'll love it. Tropical Fuckstorm. Do you want to give us like a for fans of? Yeah, for fans of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard because they're also on the record. There you go. Recommendation? Yeah. Here I go. Okay, so I'm going to recommend the musician Margot Silker. Last name spelled C-I-L-K-E-R. Um, I saw her perform a couple times this summer at different music festivals, and she was one of my favorite discoveries. Um, she's based out of Eastern Oregon currently. Um, she had an album that came out uh, in 2021. I believe it's pronounced Pohril. Uh, spelled P-O-H-O-R-Y-L-L-E. Definitely recommend giving that a listen. Um, She was, I think, where did I see this? She was um, listed on NPR's uh, 11 Oregon Artists to Watch in 2021. Mm. So that's pretty cool. Kind of like folksy bluegrass vibes. Um, Yes. That is my recommendation for this week. Nice. Nice. Poho Rill. <laughs> Poho Rill. 
<laughs> Margo, if you want to watch an episode of Dawson's Creek and tell us how to pronounce your album. Oh, Ryle. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, that's what we're going to call it. So sorry, Margo, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm sure she is. <laughs> I'll go next. Um, I'm going to recommend a book. It's called The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. And um, I had heard about this author and book a while ago while I was looking for a good cozy mystery to read uh, and hadn't thought about it for another while. And then it reappeared on my radar when I saw it pop up on my Instagram. And this is going to be a, kind of a twofold recommendation. So uh, it popped up on my Instagram from a, from Kevin Williamson's feed, not his own, not from his own personal account, but he has a separate account that's also him, but it's called My Scary Book Club. And he posts different like scary books that he's reading and he takes like recommendations from fans and he kind of interacts with fans and this was one of them that he had posted about and when i saw it i was like okay i'm gonna read (laughs) so yeah so it's fun it's um so the paris apartment is a thriller about a journalist who mysteriously disappeared while living in an odd apartment building in paris um, and then, so his half sister is supposed to be staying with him for a visit, but when she shows up, he's nowhere to be seen. So she kind of ends up unraveling what happened. Um, and each, uh, chapter in the book is told from a different character's perspective. And most of them are like neighbors within the apartment or like some people who knew her half brother. Um, and it gets really dark, like toward the end and it's really good. And oh, yeah. also there's a book on, or the, there's an audio book version of it where uh, each chapter is read by a different voice so you kind of get that um i read on the kindle but james has been listening to it on the book but yeah yeah very very good that's cool it must have like i I like books that are thrillers where there's an unreliable narrator but this seems like yeah every narrator oh yeah it's like very good and also apparently i haven't read any of her other books but she i guess she does thrillers like she's a thriller thriller author um but this is the first time she's done this format where she writes different chapters from Oh, uh, different okay. character perspectives, apparently. That's fine. So, yeah. I love a good cozy mystery, and this one feels like a really good modern cozy mystery because oftentimes it's like so antiquated, you know, this, that genre. Um, so it's fun to see it kind of updated, but still very, um, very like within the genre. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, do you think maybe we could submit our podcast to Scary Book Club and Ooh. just tell them it's a book? Just be like, you should read Freaks and Creeks. That would make sense. There are transcripts totally. online. We can uh, self-publish them on Amazon, right? There we go. Put it on a Kindle. Yeah. That's a book. Oh, my God. Hello to all of our readers out there. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, you guys? You can't tell because you're reading this, but I'm really happy to, to be being read by you. Hi. How sweet it is to be read by you. <laughs> okay, Cody, what's your recommendation? My recommendation this week is the debut record God's Country from Oklahoma City noise sludge band Chatpile. Uh, kind of a hard dis- to describe band, uh, but I took off their copy from their band camp, which I thought was like very perfect at describing this. Um, so I'll just read it. Um, There is a sick irony to how a country that extols rhetoric of individual freedom and the same gasp has no problem commodifying human life as if it were a meat to feed the insatiable hunger of capitalism. If this is American nihilism taken to its absolute zenith, then God's Country, the full-length record from Oklahoma City noise rock quartet Chatpile, is the aural embodiment of such a concept. This is a a very heavy, uh, I would call it similar to like Jesus Lizard or... 
um, like any other like sludge band like from like the 80s and early 90s, uh, like the Melvins, it's mm. super heavy and uh, very noisy and it just feels like the same feeling I get when I'm doom scrolling and feeling like we're living in late stage capitalism. The earth is uh, burning. All of our politicians are useless and we're all going to die a slow, horrible deaths in the United States. This record feels like the, <laughs> it, it gives me uh, an extreme catharsis uh, hearing them. I mean, they're, they're vocalist. All of his delivery is like speech screaming and mm. all of it just feels like, when you're just having that depressive mania of being like, we're all going to die and the world is completely fucked and there's absolutely nothing we can do. Uh, when he's screaming, I'm like, Hey, that sounds like my inner monologue. Whenever I'm reading any article from NPR, uh, even songs like one song is just called why. And it's him proclaiming over and over again, why, and talking about the homelessness epidemic that we're seeing. It's like, why are people living outside? Why the fuck are people living outside? Uh, it's cathartic. Yeah. Um, and it's also really cool because this album's really blowing up and they're a very small band. So the fact that they got like best new music on Pitchfork is wow. like so bizarre. But I'm really happy for them and it seems like uh, they're going to be huge. So That's great. I You, you know I love storytelling through music um, and you know I love like not just storytelling through like lyrics, but also storytelling through the feeling yes. that music gives you through the, the emotions that it makes you think or the, through the questions that it makes you ask. So I'll definitely check that out. That sounds awesome. Um, cool. I guess, is there anything else anybody wants to say before we go? I feel like that's Can a we pretty... we talk about the next... Yeah, that's I a do, smooth do transition. The next, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. most smooth transition that there could be. <laughs> Stella, did you have... The... Uh... The descriptor for next one. Hold up, please. Oh, you know what else in this uh, thumbnail of Jen? She's wearing red. Uh, <laughs> okay. Might be, may be her favorite color. Okay. Okay. So next time on Dawson's Creek, while Dawson is preparing to celebrate Friday, Friday the 13th, a serial killer is rumored to be headed to Cape Side. <gasps> rumored? <laughs> Any guesses on who the serial killer will be revealed to be if it is real life? I'm going to say Billy. Mm, good question. Oh. I mean, good, good guess. Hmm. Hmm. Could be Cliff. Could be. Who's Cliff uh, gets killed though? Right. <laughs> the, um, the the girl that they've already forgotten about. Nelly. Oh, Nelly. Oh, Nelly. Yeah. Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> Warren. What mm. if it's um, Nina? Miss Jacobs. Oh, film threat. Miss Jacobs. Miss <gasps> Jacobs. Oh. That makes sense. She's angry. Wait, who's Nina? From the from the film threat. <laughs> from the, the bar. bar. Oh my gosh! Yeah, with the beads Nina. in the hair. Yeah, you know <laughs> anybody be with beads in her hair is gonna <laughs> fucking kill. Somebody. Slash Carol, Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. Carol. Yep. Mm. Oh, this is pre mental break. It's killing everybody. Mm-hmm. She then has totally. to reinvent herself. It all comes full circle. Well, I'm excited. I yeah. love Kevin Williamson's horror. Uh, chops, you know, he's 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 proven himself as as good in that regard, and I think that this will be fun. I'm really excited to see how they're going to do that in Dawson's Creek. Yeah, in Twin Peaks: The Return. Yeah, there's a great. I this is my favorite thing in the world. Coop is locked in the Black Lodge, and then a lot of people theorize that Dougie represents all of the goodness and the sweet innocence <laughs> of who Coop is, whereas Mister C is all the negative mm-hmm. bad right. things about Coop. What if? In this world, 
Pacey gets split in half and all Ooh. of his the the good vulnerable Ooh. side of him is there and then Horny Boy is <laughs> taken away and then the serial killer kills Horny Boy. Yes. And oh. this is how this is this, why oh. everyone loves Pacey yeah. because mm. totally. yeah. Horny Boy die. And then yeah, Horny Good Boy, boy wears special pants on never come off. <laughs> yeah. And then in the final episode um, everything completely changes and horny uh, boy back and and Pacey <laughs> screams what year is it and then Joey <laughs> screams and then that's just the end yeah, that sounds great <laughs> David Lynch did you write that <laughs> I would love if Lynch would direct one of these oh god be so amazing. wouldn't it be great okay well <laughs> on that note um, thank you so much for listening uh, this has been Freaks and Creeks of course you knew that but if you've enjoyed the episode Feel free to find us online. You can find us on social media at Freaks and Creeks Pod. You can go to our website, freaksandcreeks.com. And uh, until next time, bye. 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 bye.